creative company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. From rock to metal to jazz, Tim Donahue composes, he builds guitars, he builds fretless instruments, he makes harp guitars. He's innovative, creative, and kind. He's done film scores, he licenses his music all over the world. He performs, he teaches, he does clinics and seminars, and he's here today. Timmy, Tim, Tim, Tim! Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, hello. Great, good, how are you? Oh my God. I'm great. When was the last time I saw you? 1982? Probably. <laughs> and the last time we spoke in real time? Amazing. It's so nice to see you. Hello. Yeah. You look good, Lauren. Uh, haven't changed a bit. <laughs> You're probably still tall, still innovative, still cool, still making uh, fretless instruments. Well, more than that, playing them, right? So right, you're playing them, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh God, oh God, yeah. Let's, so, let's yeah, start so. at the beginning, but I mean, like, what happened in 1982? You must have fallen in love, and that's what brought you to Japan. Wow, going all that way, way, way back then. I don't even remember. No, I, actually, <laughs> I knew I knew so many Japanese people from um, from Berkeley. Yeah. So of course, Kumiko. If yeah. Oh, yeah. So I I finished up the summer semester there and graduated in May before that, but I had to finish up to get the credits. So I stayed on and she went back to Japan. Wow. Um, so then as soon as I finished in August, I was in Japan. And by the way, today is the day that I came to Japan in 82. Today's oh the day. The day. Yeah. The, the actual so day. I had, just, you, I, had you been to Japan prior? No. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I don't even know where it was. <laughs> no, I didn't even know where it was. But I mean, it was great because when I got here, there were so many great players that I met at Berkeley. They were already pros from Japan. I'm just oh, yeah. killer players. If people and are going to come to Berkeley from that far yeah. away, they're already good. They're, yeah, they're great. And it was just probably for them to say that they went to Berkeley or something, but they could have taught there, you know. Anyway, so I just, I immediately <laughs> got into a professional situation as soon as I got to Japan. And it. What was that situation? I was immediately in a recording uh, at EMI Records. Um, like as soon as I got here, they wanted to do a solo album. Oh, right. You were recording artist for them. Yeah, still. Are. Well, they wanted me. They wanted me. Yeah, I still am. But I, I they, this is before I signed their contract. This is like this is 82. Right. So. Right. But well, I know I know I nothing about your story other than we were good friends. Really? You taught me, oh you taught me how to you taught me how to set my intonation when I was a student because we were both students and yeah, um, right. you were yeah. in my senior recital. I think I did a couple of recordings for you on my TAC in a, in a side ensemble room once. But. Other than that, I, I really don't know very much at all. Certainly not anything that's happened since. So well, we've got a I, lot you know, to talk about. <laughs> well, it's there's so much. There's so much to talk about. I don't want to talk your ear off, but um, there's a whole nother world over here. I mean, that's why I've been here, because I've been 
there's an actual music major, business. Major labels. Oh God, I'm with the majors over here, and and it would, I don't think that would ever have happened in the states. You know, conducting the Philharmonic and, and doing all my music with on a huge scale, and and it's all under the radar. Oh my Berkeley God, has no idea. Why don't you tell them about this. it? <laughs> I just don't. I don't you're, really. You're the I alumni like, news that put you on the cover of Berkeley no. Today, man. Yeah, I mean, God. Yeah, do you still but sell, I, I'm just not. Do they still buy not, CDs over there? Oh sure, sure. Um, but you know. Yeah. All right, I'm we got to all move really to Japan because that's where the music industry is. Well, it's really it's been really supportive all these years. I mean, but I was I was in the studio for like twenty years. I barely came up for air, doing all my own work and and supported in a huge huge way. And I just had to stop um, after the last album I put out, which is a while ago, because it was I mean stop meaning I had to get out of the studio and start performing again. Because um, I was really, it was just too much. I, it's a wonderful, the dream come true. The dream came true, you know. And But anyway, make a long story short. What was the um, dream and what dream came true? Well, you know, to be a recording artist and tour and have my own guitar brand and do all this stuff that I've all, you know, it's, it all came true. So there's a drummer who re, who recorded an album with me. His, Mike, his name is Mike Mangini. And he I think he used to teach at Berkeley. Mm. he's in dream theater and right. those are the guys that were on my album that was yeah. the last time i was um in your neck of the woods and that was in god it was in 2004 can you believe it <laughs> i haven't been back you record drums in your place can you do i that? do yeah i play oh, drums too for now. you do, yeah you play everything you're just amazing amazing <laughs> lauren as, as i've always known <laughs> So tell me now. So I told I told you my story. So tell me your story. Eighty two. What was it? Uh, I left for Japan. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, and you you were you were still there. I uh, well, I had I had just finished. We we had just done my senior recital. You played in it, and um, I started teaching at Berkeley in nineteen eighty four. Eighty four. How did that come about? Well. Uh, a couple of teachers had said, you know, you explain things really well. You should teach here. And I thought, oh, that's that's a good idea. So I told Larry wow. Bayonne. He said, I think you'd make a really good teacher. He told Bill Levitt. And then when there was a an opening in 1984, they just swooped me up, pulled me in. Great. Yeah. Great. It's It's been a really cool place, as you know. <laughs> yeah. And I've been writing songs and recording and getting better at recording and learning new instruments and new software and all that stuff ever since. I just love the exploration Good. and the creative process and making sound movies, you know? It's like I've always loved making the records. It's such a fun art form. Recording, I've got three albums, you know, in a line now. And when it comes time to license them, because that's what I do for the last, the last three albums is license. So you own the master. Right. And but the thing is, they give you a ton of money to go make the album, and yet you still own it. And like, who invented this life? You know, I've um, never heard of that. That sounds great. No, <laughs> no, I haven't either. But that's what's happened. And so now you know why I've been here for so long because things like that have worked out. But I'm just saying, what I'm just saying is to do it from now as this year in 2023. I don't know what the licensing. Um, no, I think it's very different. Situation now. is going to be uh, probably. Yeah, but you never know. You never know. 
<laughs> anyway, so so where 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 are your albums? Are you making actually CDs or, or is it streaming or how do you put out? It, it was both for for years and years. Every once in a while, there's just a digital version of something instead of making them. But I think it's good to stop now for sure. Most people stopped like 20 years ago <laughs> because you right. know, people just want to stream stuff. So, but yeah, I have a right. ton of music out in the world. I love it. Oh, great, great. So great. much fun to I make mean, it. I mean, it's never, yeah. Well, you're creative, see? And that that's like, it's like a, a blood. It just, creativity, it's like a blood, right? It just circulates and it, yeah. always something new. And, and, and it's great being in this field. Do the students coming in there now, um, um, let's say you can't read. If you can't read, can you get into Berkeley? Oh, yeah. Most you people can. can't. Oh most God. people can't read, and they haven't even kept reading as a big uh, important skill for guitar. Criteria? Yeah. You oh, know how? Oh, really? Um, when we when we were students, they had reading classes where if you couldn't get out yeah. of reading one or chords yeah. one, you couldn't move ahead with any other guitar classes. You had to right. learn the basics. Now those classes have been gone over twenty years. It's you try to give them the basics in the guitar lesson itself. <laughs> uh, okay. So, well, yeah, okay. there's even That's less. All... Well, it's because okay. most people in the world don't know how to write for guitar. And so they're not coming in prepared, learning how to read on guitar. We teach them what we can. Basically, what we're trying to hope that they can do is decipher what's on the page and make sense out of it in a half hour, an hour, a week, whatever it takes. But can you decipher it? And could you get the gig if somebody gave you music ahead of time and, you know, make sense out of what's on the paper? Because it's a, just a map. Most of the times they'll give people a recording as well. And um, between the two of them, maybe a video <laughs> of recording, a three of them and a piece of music, maybe they'll be able to pass the audition or get the gig, whatever they got to do. Wow. Wow, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, so it's I'm changed still... a lot. I, th I think well, things have watered down quite a bit. But, you know, even my teachers that were there when, when you and I were there used to say that things had watered down. They used to have to do like four or five four-horn charts a week. And teachers used to yeah. teach 40 hours a week and stuff like that. So yeah. You're, You and me both and wh whoever's still in this business at this point should be real grateful. And I'm sure we you win. are. And, and I am too. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was 16 years old, I remember going to um, in Niagara Falls, New York, where I was born. Um, a friend of mine lived down the street, and he was a jazz guitar player, hollow body, and um, he 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 invited me to this small little restaurant on the Niagara River, mm. in a small little town, a nice little town where my mother lives now. Um, anyway, he. Uh, invited me over to, his, to see his trio and there's like nine people in the audience and his name is Frank Accardo he used to go to Berkeley he went to Berkeley before before I went um, and of course I, you, you as well but anyway um, he plays in Las, Las, Las Vegas and I think he played on the Tonight Show and all of mm. that but um, I went to that restaurant and to see him play and he had his trio and he was doing standards real super straight ahead Straight edge jazz. And I was 16 years old and I was rocking out, right? But, <laughs> uh, he wanted me to come see him. But he also wanted me to come for another reason. And I didn't know what that was. So when I was sitting there, 
watching the trio. I'm 16 years old. I shouldn't be there because they're serving alcohol. It was more right. of a club kind of thing. But anyway, this big guy dressed in black comes and sits next to me. And he's got this mustache and his beard and this black hat on. And um, he looks at me and says, hey, kid, what do you do? And I, said, I said, well, I'm a guitarist, you know. And um, he says, oh, yeah? He says, don't quit. He said two words. He said, don't quit. And I wow, geez, why would he tell me this all of a sudden, right? right. And I, I didn't know who he was, right? So anyway, Frank, um, after, after Frank takes a break, he meets this guy in the hug and all of this. And then, um, and then, and the guy, the guy leaves <laughs> and Frank, Frank runs up to me and he says, Tim, do you know who that is? No, that's Tommy Tedesco. Right. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. Tommy Tedesco was from my hometown. He grew up with my grandmother, actually. They he came to the Berkeley in the eighties. He was wonderful. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, well, anyway, I, I used to teach, I used to not teach, I gave seminars at music, music Institute. I was giving some uh, playing and you know, they have to the performance, you know, do you know what they do? Anyway, he was there when I went to do the seminars and he had his office there. And he remembered. So you. I just, well, no, I just stopped in. No, he, he told Frank, he says, Frank, when you come to LA, I'll set you up, you know? So, Frank says, okay, and that's what happened. So Frank played on the Tonight Show and everything and talked through Tommy's introductions and everything. But anyway, oh, when great. I was doing, when I was in LA, this was 86, 87, um, stopped into Tommy's office. And and I remember what he told Frank. He says, Frank, when you're in, when you're in town, let me know, I'll set you up. So I walk into his office and he says, hey, kid, I hear you're the hot, you're the hot guitar player. And here I am at Musicians Institute. At that time, it was GIT, I think. Yeah. You know, but in anyway, make a long story short. I, and I said, hey, Tommy, I'm from Niagara Falls. Do something for me. I just joking with I didn't mean to do anything. I really didn't mean anything like that at all. But uh, he we just hit it off really nicely. But I did't tell him that he was the guy that kind of gave me the little push. You didn't remind quit. him? I you didn't, didn't remind, remind him of that? No, no. But you know, but do you see what I'm saying, Lauren? Those little, those little pushes. Sometimes they have an effect on you, and it could, it could change oh, sure. your life in a way. You know, because you know how there's many, there's oh, many yeah. trials and tribulations of being an artist. Right. You have self doubt, and um, even the smallest success really gives you a shot in the arm and a validation. Of yeah. what you do and this is this is way back when i'm 16 years old That's well super. before i started anyway i love tommy tedesco and then when i heard that his son was making the wrecking crew film i i supported the the startup you know the, no uh, go, the, the gofundme thing for the film because um yeah i wanted to see the movie <laughs> oh great it's really good great yeah really good. yeah he's from my hometown right grew up with my grandmother they, they played ball together when they were kids mm. you know, a kickball that's what and he used to say that when he got music put in front of him half the time the music that was written down wasn't even available on the guitar and he'd really have to be the interpreter of what somebody wanted right exactly you know? so he right. just never said hey this is incorrect he wouldn't say that to people but he would right. figure out what they wanted and give it to them right you know? and he was the guy right. he played on everything kind of right. like 
like uh, Carol Kay. I mean, she's just on everything. Right. It's it's in, it's right. amazing. Right, right. Those are good people to draw from that we have in our in our part of not I would say so much of influence, but they're inspirational, you know. Oh sure, um, so many. I, so tell me, tell me about how how you write. How do you go about creating your music? How much of it is you're walking down? A beautiful road and a melodies in your head or how much of it is you're actually playing and you explore and you find something or how much of it is uh i would like to write something like such and such and and you go and write it no uh, it, it it finds me mm -hmm. it finds me um and it's also like being in a trance because the minute i start thinking about it that's when everything shuts down so when it comes it comes and it, it really has come a lot um a lot so that's one of the hardest things to teach is composition because i can't say oh just just let it come to you and then students will be saying hey wait a minute we, we're paying a lot to have this class and you're telling us just let it come to you so i can't say <laughs> that but that's that's the honest answer the only problem is when you've got a deadline um you know it's kind of a you really have to take have a leap of faith in a way because you want to think about it and push it along to make it you know mm. be sure that you're going to have something by the deadline and mm. when you're doing a film score believe me deadlines i mean you know this but the, the, for people who are going to watch the video maybe they might not know the deadlines are like set in stone and they want a masterpiece by tomorrow night right so i mean that kind of pressure it's kind of hard just to, in your in your heart to say, oh, it'll just come to me. Mm -hmm. you, you you think you start thinking about it and try to get the music to come out quick before tomorrow night because you got a meeting with the the director. I mean, so this is the kind of pressure that's incredible, but there there are two conflicting uh, concepts where there's pressure and you want to think about making the music, making even a basic melody or letting it come. And so I'm of this other camp where the music just comes. And I don't know how to answer your question other than that. But you're okay with not knowing, like you don't freak out. You've found a way to meet the deadlines. You found a way, especially for your own music to just allow the flow. Those are yeah, skills well, that usually, a lot of people don't usually have. Usually I'm doing, doing my albums. Um, I have the freedom, right? in that way but when there is for example uh, a movie score or um a, a television commercial for example you know y y thinking about it too much is a is a hindrance and that's counterintuitive to most to what a student would want to learn a plus b you're going to get c which is your your masterpiece melody i mean it's an exaggeration but it doesn't work that way. At least it doesn't work that way for me. And if mm. if I do make something as a process, if I do have a process, or I do follow a process just as a experimentation, if I do that, then the 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 result is never never um, on the level of what moves me. Mm -hmm. Never is it'll be done for some. Maybe someone might think it's useful for something. If I have to do something like that, if I have to have a process, so if like in a, in a, in a class, maybe for example, if uh, we're we're going to write a melody, you know, 
And uh, okay, today's we're going to start writing melodies and developing them in and, and, and see how they work with different harmonies and all that. But I always tell my students there's a seed that you have to plant that you I, I shouldn't say you have to plant because you can't plant it. It plants inside of you. And this kind of philosophical discussion is hard because, as I just said, students want to know A plus B equals C, you know, this process. But at least there's some. Um, element of the the mysteriousness that is some can be intriguing too for some. Mm. Hey, I oh, I might have this. I guess it's talent. I guess I mean I don't want to say it's talent. I don't want to talk about myself and saying it's talent like that. But it it might be a, considered a talent or a gift. How old you were know? you when you first wrote something? Three. I was three years old. Yeah. And Sometimes then, I wonder if if any of us have been here before <laughs> it's like <laughs> there are some people who come and you can just tell their fingers are online they're they're just playing yeah. piano effortlessly at three yeah and there are people who've been playing piano lessons for 20 30 years and their fingers still don't work you know like they just right. they, they don't really have this, this sort of uh same eagerness maybe so that maybe they just don't put right. in the same amount of time but like a friend of mine um, says talent is eagerness like when you can't get enough of it and it, you're just hungry for it that you you can't put the instrument down and you can't stop writing and you oh, can't for sure you know it's like for sure of course you're going to get great well, at that if you're putting thousands of hours in <laughs> exactly actually as a matter of fact i might yeah here this is just while we're in this in this i don't know if you can see this or not a little bit yeah but this is exactly what we're talking about I didn't have the guitar in my hand at all, mm. and this just this just came out. Looks like my handwriting. <laughs> yeah, well, this is from this is on Berkeley. Yeah, um, manuscript, manuscript paper. papers. See at the bottom. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, and it, there's no key, and it's all just bam, it just came out. And I say to people because I found this recently and people say, well, well, how do you compose? Like you asked. And I said, well, I can't really tell you how, but when it comes out, it just comes out. And, and I could never have thought about this and to bring it to this level. Mm. It's a thought process. So anyway, um, that's but the You weren't necessarily question. writing that down at three and you weren't probably writing it down no, no, that no, no, clearly no. at 10. So you've learned some skills no, 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 no. to get that out and to interpret it and to see the physical written down version of what you're actually hearing and feeling. That's why I went to Berkeley. That was yeah. the reason why I went to Berkeley is to be able to yeah. converse in, in the language of sheet music. That Did you was have the any... whole reason. Yeah. To be yeah. literate. And then that's definitely what they're, you know, they love teaching us is, is, is making us literate. To read and write the I mean, language. So glad I went to Berkeley. I mean, to discuss Berkeley, this is really the first time I've ever discussed it. And well, there's one other, I should tell you another story you wouldn't believe. But um, this is a good opportunity to say, yeah, I mean, without going to Berkeley, I don't see how I could have ever um, had so much. For example, we're doing this music, it's really complicated. And without being able to read, there's no way. I mean, bands, I know they would spend months on learning such music 
bands that don't read and and being able yeah. to read you can we just one rehearsal and bam it's stuff in seven eight going to a eleven four i mean we're talking about that kind of music which is not necessarily good because it's complicated i don't mean that at all but my music is that way naturally and mm. and to have someone be able to read it and 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 interpret it quickly mm. uh, it shortens the rehearsal time a lot oh yeah you know? Yeah. Um, so okay. So that's that's how I compose. Now you, you have to you have to kind of spill your beans there, Laura. Come on. <laughs> well, there's there's three you aspects. Got, you got tons. Yeah. You got tons of material. I know. So you got to fill me in. <laughs> well, there's there's like three aspects to it, right? There's the harmonic side, you know, choosing chords. There's the melody side, and then there's lyrics a lot of the time, and yeah. it, each one it almost requires different creative muscles in a sense but it is all the same and sometimes comes all at once and uh it comes all different ways so very often because um the beatles were such a great influence on me the simple ways they talked about it sort of gave it to me in a simple way you know so i started writing songs at 10 years old i just thought i was making things up you know, if I had a melody in my head or if I found chords that I liked, I just put them in the orders that I liked. I didn't have to understand harmony. You know, it was sure. like a painter playing with colors. I just liked this color. And I was right. fortunate enough to grow up when you did that. We were listening to people who loved harmony. Stevie Wonder, you know, uh, the police, um, sure. Allman Brothers, Doobie Brothers, Carly Simon, uh, Joni Mitchell. They, was, they used beautiful, beautiful harmony right. so we weren't without i mean even if you just think of the chords that are in the beatles songs there's amazing harmony in the beatles songs yes. and modal interchange Absolutely. and that's because they were listening to fantastic songwriters of their parents generation and playing all those right. standards because they wanted to be entertainers there was no guitar gods or we're going to be rock stars right so when they right. said if we could do it anybody could do it i said oh great i'll do it too i didn't know it was a thing it was just a desire and, and it was there. And maybe sometimes when you're young, if you choose something and you have a passion and a love for it, the sky opens up a little door or something and something drops down that helps you magically find it. But you maybe just have to ask so that you know what you're looking for and know what to find. But I've always found that even just exploring, just putting my fingers anywhere on the guitar, I come up with things that I absolutely love. And I love singing and playing crazy things at the same time and developing that sort of composite rhythm. And because I was in all those Beatle tribute bands and stuff touring around for like 17 years, uh, it made you as one of four people have to sing and play crazy things at once because we couldn't do the overdubs. We were just four people had to happen live. And that woke up mm -hmm. the side of me that wanted to play drums. So Sometimes I'm playing a drum part to one of my songs and I'm hearing the background vocals. I don't know. They're just popping in. So I get the drum track down and then go and record the background right. vocals. Or sometimes yeah, I'm walking sure. the dogs and a melody pops into my head and I go, that is a song and it's mine, you know. And one time, uh, you know, a friend of mine said, why don't you just play with fifths on the piano? And uh, I found a progression that I liked over a few weeks after finding which fifths I liked and uh, wrote a song with that and said something funny. and. Uh, we were on the phone talking and I said, that explains the sky. And she said, that's a title. And I ran with it and I wrote a song called that explains the sky. So it was, it, you know, it's just this being open to the fact that words happen, melody happens, 
sounds happened, like the Beatles would say, they'd hear an R&B tune or a Motown classic and they go, oh, let's write one of them, you know? So sometimes I start with a group or sometimes I start with a bass line or whatever is attractive, you know, like, oh, that would be cool if I could do something with that feel. Like I, I wrote a song with an Al Green feel called uh, Dance With Your Darling." You know, little things like that come up as, as starting points because of a something you feel attached to, something you like, something you want to go explore. Does hmm. that happen for you too? Uh, sometimes, maybe. Um, uh, again, uh, the, the, the guitar is the vehicle for one thing. Mm -hmm. So you want to have the guitar in your hand. Um, that's your voice, mm. right? Besides your voice, mm -hmm. right? That's your other voice. So um, aside from probably, what I just showed you. But you probably write on guitar. harp guitar too. Oh yeah, that's that's orchestral in itself, and yeah, um, that's and, why and I don't really play too much. Thing. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, recently I've been doing because I have new guitars that have been put out on the market recently, and they're six string. Um, so I'm playing six with frets or fretless. With frets. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's fresh for me. That's fresh. I can Believe only it or show not, one around Berkeley for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that's what's that's how I do it. And um, you you doing? Uh, there's a connection there. You're saying to something, and mm. um, you know, yeah, but as I long mean, as you got the guitar in your hand, um, or, or, or but how do you remember that melody if you're walking down the street? It, it, sometimes it happens. to I might remember, it and I won't remember it when I get home. I mean, I'll think. Oh, I know. It. It'll come to me, and you kick yourself in the butt, saying, oh, "I should have brought a hand recorder or something." Oh yeah, you know, or your phone memo thing, you know. But yeah, you just have to keep singing it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it'll go off into the ether. Yeah. You know. And sometimes um, so it comes back, I, but I don't like to be. Uh, you know, kicking myself. I like to capture it when it comes because I'm so happy that exactly. it's there. Yeah. Lauren, it's a conveyor belt of of music, really. I tell my students that. And if you're open at the moment to catch something that is coming down, and it's almost like a meditation kind mm. of thing. I, I don't want to use the word trance because that sounds too spooky, but it's like a trance. <laughs> and um, that's why and I don't teach... You're hearing it, and maybe you're staying quiet for a moment to catch it, and it looks like a trance, but you're just listening, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you explain it a lot better than I do, but yeah, well, I think we're coming from the same place, though. Oh, probably, because, um, you know, we're humans, we're spirits, and uh, we're attached to the same life force <laughs> that makes everything on this planet alive, and that's where it comes from. So, you know, well, it's like anybody has access to it, but they do it in different ways, right? A scientist will do it in their way, a, a medical doctor, a painter, a mechanic, you know, we're, we're all creative. We all come up with ways to listen and figure out how, how does this work? Like the book uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was so cool. Right, 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 right. So, right, right. That's been around a long time, that particular yeah, book. Yeah, a cool book, yeah. And I always wow. like that Zen saying from one thing, no 10,000 things. So like once you go deep into something, you can change subjects, you can change instruments. You know, the musician is you. You bring the magic to whatever instrument you're wanting to explore. Right. I, I think the problem is people who don't have a natural uh, interest in it to begin with and just start with a class or a book. That seems odd to me. I would, I would think... You can still do it that way if you want to, but like yeah. most of us who 
were hungry for it. It just it just hit you like right. whoever right. saw the saxophone and said, I fell in love with sax or so-and-so was playing guitar and I had to have a guitar. It, it, there's a spark, like you said, something ignites. Right. And if it's right. just a book or a course and you don't have any physical connection to it, then it's only an idea. Like you could read as many right. books as you want about how to ride a bicycle, but if you never get on the right. thing, you really don't right. know what it what you're talking about. Absolutely. Because there's Absolutely. balance and there's the going through time and space and covering right. ground and the friction and the balance and there's so much yeah. more to it than just the right the science or the physics or the words, right? Right. right. <laughs> so, well, but that's why we're, that's why we're lucky that we have this I call it when I say I don't want to use the word trance again. It's the the, the state of non-thought, beginner's non-thought. mind, openness, beginner's open mind. mind, beginner's mind. But I mean, but it's not something you can. Okay, I'm not going to think about anything. I'm just going to let it come to me. Here it goes. Come on, where are you? Come on, come on. It's not like that at all. It's like all of a sudden, you're you you know at the end of the night, you find wow, you've got wow, mm. wow, and you listen to it the next day. Like it's, I don't have any recollection of actually writing any of this music. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of pieces that I have no recollection. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. that non-thought. That's the only thing I can put my finger on and say, it's a state of non-thought. And, and mm-hmm. that's where, you know, it's it counterintuitive because you want to think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We're human. Um, well, I was could... thinking of, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was gonna say that that part could be a little different for other people. Like I never thought of it as non-thought, but maybe what you're thinking of as non-thought is like allowing the flow. Like you're not forcing anything or making something happen. You're listening for what is already happening, and uh, and and catching the idea that's just flowing to you at the moment. Yeah, it is flowing. You're right. I think it's right. flowing all the time. Like I, I think the creative right. juices are always out there and we either Absolutely. tap in or we close off, you know, exactly. exactly. And it close off for me is thinking, thinking about it is what closes me from oh, wow. blocks me from that process. So, and I wish it wasn't that way because if I had mm. more control, control over it when there's a deadline and not, there's a deadline all the time, but, <laughs> but I remember it wanted to jump out the window. I remember especially during the, the movie soundtrack. I mean, you know, really, I wanted to jump out the window. and But that created some of the most amazing music that I would never have written, is having that pressure. And those two conflicting things that I was saying, you've got the, that natural side of you that is very, just naturally, the music just comes. And But then the other side, when you've got to force it out with thought, <laughs> and those two things conflicting, you really, I, good thing I wasn't on a, a high building or something. I'd want to jump off. <laughs> well, tell us about the, tell us the title of the film or, and definitely send me links because I can put them in the, oh the show notes uh, for oh. albums and, and your, God. your, your, your guitars and your uh, movie oh. soundtracks and anything else you've got. Yeah, thanks. 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 I did one actually with a producer for the band called the Goo Goo Dolls. You know, the Goo oh, Goo yeah. Dolls? Sure. As I just said, to be still being creative and, you know, and and be doing it after all these years with the same fervor and innocence of creativity, you know, because you get into the business side and, you know, there's the entertainment side and there's the 
music business side. I completely separate the two. You got to, yeah. You know, and, and but everybody, mostly they call it the music business. Uh, but I can't imagine getting the kind of satisfaction and high of, <laughs> of creating something that you, wow, this moves the hell out of me. That didn't exist before, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't I, exist. I was, all of a sudden it exists after you create it. It's that's amazing. why I say it's like magic. It's just so cool. It is magic. I mean, but I think that's why we who can't explain things it. would feel that way, you know. I think that's what uh, the, maybe that, you know, and because we're not them, it that wouldn't give us the same thrill. But yeah, I think we have that in common with folks. Yeah, I order. mean, what else would give you the same thrill than what what you're doing? Right. I mean, you know, I mean, there's other hobbies that you enjoy, but what would give you the same thrill? And not like bungee jumping kind of thrill. I don't. Know. <laughs> that's too fleeting. <laughs> fleeting, but thrill of the heart. Yeah, yeah. You know. What can I can't imagine doing something other than this that would give me the same thrill of the heart. So no. I, you're the same way. I know you. So you get your. <laughs> so when's your next your next work? Do you have a plan on it? Uh, probably next year. I just put one out a couple months ago. I've been doing one almost every year. Wow, great, great. Now where can I hear that? Anywhere, anywhere they stream. I guess YouTube. Oh, streaming. Okay. Or any streaming. Okay. Yeah. Or, or I'm guilty of not following, you know, people because maybe I don't know if you're the same way, but we're just busy doing our, our stuff. Thing, oh, absolutely. Doing our thing. Yeah. And it's yeah. satisfying most, as hell. Most creators are doing are doing just that. You know, we, we create. We don't just go and document or necessarily right. consume. <laughs> we're always right. creating. Yeah, yeah. But it's no, always uh, good to listen, right? Oh, yeah. That's true. I mean, we need Gotta food. Dip in. We dip in once in a while. Sure. I mean, but I always come back to the older stuff, I got to tell you. Oh, me too. That's where it seems like there's real musicians and real players and things. If I need yeah. to be fed, I have to go back to the older stuff. If I want to explore yeah. and it doesn't really matter, it's almost like a dessert. I'm just listening to what's around. I can It's a sample. dessert. I can sample, but I can't usually get fed on it. Listen, I, I got a question for you because um, you are the one that needs to have this question asked, okay? Okay. You heard, um, um, I mean, I love Carole King and, mm -hmm. and Carly Simon, but there's a song by Carly Simon that um, when I was, I must have been about 13 years old, it would come on the radio and it was next to my bed, you know, old AM radio on a summer night. And you know how the old radios sound very lo-fi, mm -hmm. you know, but that had a certain kind of, there was a kind of mood that it was, it was like, the, it was coming from far away. Mm. Now everything is in is right with you in the room. It was coming from far, far away. And it's when I heard the Beatles on the radio too, they were from far away. Physically, they sounded like they were far, far away and they were really and they're from England. But anyway, <laughs> I heard the song, and I, to this day, it gives me goosebumps. Um, that's the way I've always heard it should be. Sure. And I got goosebumps at this moment. I'm, I was a kid. I was 13 years old, a little boy. And, you mm. know, the song is about uh, a young woman who has a, 
the pressure, societal pressure of getting married, starting yep. a family, you know, but she sees what's around her and she sees all the, the, the dysfunction and okay, but okay, but we'll get married, you know, but it's not what she wanted. Mm. And that song completely killed me. Well, I found out later and I was thinking of you when I was doing this album, I did an album with Eddie Kramer and I don't know if you know Eddie Kramer or not. He did the sure. Beatles. Oh yeah. Hendrix and Zeppelin. He did one of my albums as well with Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers nice. was the singer. And, um, he told me, he says, he says, Tim, I, I did this album with Carly, Carly Simon. I says, which one did you do? He said, I did her first one. I said, what? You did that song. So he's talking, he's talking to me about Hendrix mm -hmm. and he did Obla Di Obla Da and Hey Jude. Yeah. Because George Martin got sick on that day and he, they asked him to go in the Olympic studios. So he, he's telling me all this, I'm like, which is great. And I was thinking of you. That was my connection to the Beatles was through him, Physi really, literally. But any when he started to tell me about that song with Carly Simon, that was it. You did that song. I mean, you did the Beatles, whatever did you do? But you did that song with Carly Simon. Oh, my God. You know, we are not worthy. We are not worthy, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking of you the whole time because I wanted to tell you these stories. That's so great. Him and, and, and but you know the song? You I know do. the song. She wrote the melody and didn't know what to do for lyrics, and she gave it to her friend right. Jacob Brackman, and he wrote the lyric. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I did a little research, and the internet's great for these kind of you know little researches. Mm. You know, find the but that's the so back, cool. The background story. You know, when I was working with Eddie, he told me because he was friends with well, if he's still alive, was friends with Paul McCartney and the oh, Beatles, sure. and he told me he said. He would sit me down on, on the bed. We were living together for three months in Los Angeles. We had we had these apartments that we were in <laughs> while we were doing the album. Yeah, wow. and he, he came. He's from South Africa, by the way. <laughs> He's not from England. Um, but anyway, anyway, he'd sit me down on the bed, and he'd, he put a dad, play, dad. He said, Tim, listen to this. This is Hendrix. No one's ever heard this before. I've got this tape of Hendrix. Oh, it was great. Okay. And then, and then he would sit me down and tell me all these stories. I never asked him for the stories. Do you remember John? I mean, John Stevens. John. John Stevens. Yes. Did he pass away? Did he he pass did. Away? Just oh, like last year or the year before. Well, he was one of the ones that had heard me explaining something to some other students. And he said, you know, you should really think about teaching here. I know you have a lot of outside students. At, there you at, go. at home, you know, and, and you teach private lessons all over the place, but you should think of teaching here because you explain things really well. Great. So, yeah, he was he was a big help that way. And he gave me my first chance to play the Berkeley Performance Center. I mean, I was 20 years old and here I was playing lead guitar and slide guitar and stuff at the Berkeley Performance Center. Wow. And he was also doing the very first rock and roll concert that ever happened at the Berkeley Performance Center. And the place was packed and all the programs got picked up and used. And, and they were surprised because usually they always have a million programs left. But because this was filled with pictures of John Lennon celebrating his 40th birthday that October 1980, really? everybody was psyched and happy. And the place was rocking and filled and jumping with Beatle fans. And, and we got to do wow. our Beatle concert. It was awesome. 1980? Yeah. That was just a couple well, months before. Well, we were there in December, I, I think it was. Yeah. I never forget it, where I was. I was in no, Boylston, the Boylston. And were, were we together? 
No, I was uh, in my dorm room with a couple of friends, and uh, one of them was Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> she had just brought really? over a pizza at like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And then I got a call from John Stevens. You know, the phones used to be in the hallway. And uh, right. someone knocked right. on the door. I went to go get the phone, and, and they said John Lennon was just murdered, or he said oh it. My and God. Uh, we just all fell apart. And it was like the e- evening had to, op- had to end. It was like, everybody go home because I can't get up off the floor. <laughs> oh, my God. I, mean, I just couldn't yeah. believe they were, they were gunning down musicians. You know, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Right, right. I'll never forget. That was one of the days I'll never forget. Um, I remember yeah. meeting you in the cafeteria, by the way. Um, when we first uh, met, you we, mean? When we first met. And I, would, I think I was just some... I think you thought I was crazy. I really think you, oh, really? you thought I was nuts. Yeah. Why? Why? I was. I was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't, I just, I just had this impression that, oh, she thinks I'm kind of crazy. And uh, I think you, you were probably right. But I don't remember God. thinking that, but what made you think that I thought that? <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking too much about what other people might think of I me. Mean, I was young. I was, what, 19 or so. Yeah. You know, um, who knows? But I just thought that was the case. So, so that wasn't the case. That I thought you were crazy. No, I always thought you were super polite and kind. One of the nicest guys I knew there. <laughs> oh God, you, you, I think you're thinking of someone else there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this other guy? <laughs> oh man, this is so great. I, I just, I have all of this has been like suppressed all these years and never. Yeah, have any open the top now. To oh my God! All, all great experiences without, without going there. I mean, and you see it. You must see it every day. You've got students coming from all around the world, and they make their networks. You know, I mean, that's what Berkeley's really great for is the whole networking. And at that time, we didn't call it networking. We just did it, right? Um, and that's why I'm here. So, yeah. Um, I tell my students that too. I say, you know, you go to Berkeley. And you'll get more than just an education. You know, I'm not a spokesman for Berkeley, but I told him, I says, I said, listen, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair if I didn't go to Berkeley. Yeah. 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 I remember you had a Gretsch guitar and you played so beautifully mm. the Gretsch. You still have the Gretsch? Yeah, I still okay. have Gretsches. Great. I remember you played so fluently and um, eloquently is the word. I mean, really, and those are the things that you can't get online. We can't get this online, you know, this kind of um, meaningful um, relationship. You know, I mean, it's, it's, and when you're young, especially those are the ones that, mm. those relationships are the ones that really do, I mean, ha- stay, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, so many people here, I've, for 40 years, I've known them and, and still they're, for some reason still the bedrock of of you know good friends and, and and through music and all of that it's it's hard to get that online next year i'm going to i'm a guest professor at fredonia um state university of new york cool in their music uh yeah their music program i'm, I'm a guest professor i'll be there for two months oh wow march and april so no, I'm going back. So maybe I, I can swing by Berkeley and, and and knock on your door and say hi. Yeah. And you can play me play me something in real time, you know. In real time. You know, it was really cool when you sent a student um, 
to come to Berkeley and you taught him how to play my song, Song for Susan on the harp guitar. That was a beautiful arrangement yeah. you taught him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you remember that. Oh, thank oh you. yeah. I took a video of it and uh, I think I have an audio of it too somewhere. But yeah, that was that was gorgeous. Great. And that was like, what what album was and what which number album was that? That was way back, wasn't it? Way back. That's on an uh, all instrumental guitar album of mine called Back to the Bone. Back to the Bone. That's right. Because you yeah. sent me, and I don't remember, the, I, I have them, but I don't have the which one is like first. Of course, if I look at the dates, I could probably figure uh, that one out. Yeah, well, the first ones were with uh, Cindy Brown, and they were under the band name Too True. T-W-O-T-R-U. Yeah. So right. I still have to figure right. that out with music brains or one of those things to try to get everything listed under me because even though everything was computerized and digitized and everything went to streaming, it seems like the world has done a really poor job of organizing the actual credits. So nobody knows what goes with who and who goes with what, who was with what band. And even if your name is on it, they go, we don't know who wrote this. And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> My name is on it. I've produced it. I've engineered it. Or, you know, you get flagged on YouTube or something like this is copyrighted material. It's like, yeah, duh. It's my material. There oh, should yeah. be, it yeah. should have been computerized from the very beginning. One gigantic database that cross-referenced all of these different right. things so that people would right. know. Well, but the ones that you sent me, there was one that has a very vivid, bright, vivid of the other Last cover. of Love. Okay. I yeah. don't know. That was pretty colorful. <laughs> yeah, it was really colorful. And I thought, wow, this is, it kind of, it reminds, it wasn't psychedelic, but it rem it had that nice. Oh, yeah, kind of, not really cartoonish, vibe. but colors. Yeah. Right. It was, yeah. It, I think that was around 2012. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what, so exactly. Exactly. Here's a word of advice with <laughs> licensing. Um, for some reason, I've been very fortunate licensing around the world. And it's been great because when you sign a licensing contract, there's an advance that's paid. Traditionally, there is an advance. You very rarely won't sign a licensing contract without an advance unless things have changed so much these days. I don't know. But anyway, um, it's been it's been really good as far as upfront licensing, bam, and you, you license by country. Then I just on I just I don't search my work. Mm. Do not do that. I, I just don't want to. I don't want to see how bad things are pirated. Well, I just did about two weeks ago. And I haven't searched my stuff in years. Came up with Spotify. I don't know how many pieces are on Spotify. There's tons. There's like three or four albums. They're not, and as you just said, I own the masters, right? Hmm. How could someone get on Spotify and copyright with the copy? Blatant, blatant piracy. And um, but it's not under so your name, I, or it is. The copyright is not under my name. Oh well, CD Baby says they're the record label for me but they're not feather records is my label they're just a distributor but all those no, no, terms no. keep getting blurred you know no 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 what happens lauren is this is a this is a case where i've licensed this to to the, an album to right. um let's say italy yeah. which they'll take care of europe and then in america they'll take care of canada and europe and 
each country has the territory of the license, as you know. Yeah. What happens is, um, and these are reputable reputable labels. I mean, they're not they're not small ones. They're 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 reputable labels. So that's why I license them. I'm fortunate to do so, but they sublicense it. And that gets sublicensed, and that gets sublicensed, and it gets so far away from the it's original like license. Exactly. But what happens is the person at the end, the label at the end of the line, probably is some fly-by-night label that just wants to pay some small advance to the previous sublicensed label to get their money. You know, it's like a domino, and then bam, next thing you know. They blatantly say that they are the copyright holder on Spotify. So I contacted Spotify, and um, there's a big to do with this now because um, it's the principle. It's just the principle of blatant, sure. Sure. outright stealing. The fact that they would, someone would steal that from, and so the royalties. Are, forget about seeing any royalties. That's why the advance is so important at the beginning. But yeah. the, the sub licensing is upon sub licensing is something that is happening. It's been happening to my albums for twenty years. Um, well, I'm sure it I happens let, to everybody. But the the problem is people aren't making money from the streaming anyway. You know, it's it's like. Well, highway, no. highway robbery. That's why a lot of no. my friends don't put any of their stuff out in the world. Right. Right. Because they'd rather right. just sell it from their own website. Right. 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 Well, I'm just saying that licensing is is really um has if been want, great. If you want to spend money up front, yeah. Up front. But I mean that might be better than you. no money at all, I guess. Well, no. I mean, and it's quite lucrative in a way, you know, because you got each country has their own contract but, so but, you might but you might contract, think about that well i have many times but it's like it's not like uh any of it usually works <laughs> and and it, you know are you talking about publishers or are you talking about licensing no. companies or are you talking about arms of emi no. you know it's like no it's not just you call italy you know there's there's companies no no, no. i'm talking about record labels record yeah. labels direct to record label yeah. publishing and all of that that's another another thing bmi yeah. there's another there's another one um i can't complain but you know they they mm, did you say bmi bmi yeah yeah that's what all my yeah. stuff is in with they've never done anything either so yeah yeah i mean that's another but they've always been known for not doing really too much um and there's you know that's the whole thing but anyway so lauren it's yeah, it's across the board, and I'm not so sure about putting out another CD or the if there's a. I don't have any rush myself to push out put out another. Unless album. they're going to offer but, you another advance, right? <laughs> well, that's that's the only reason I'll do it if 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 I get an advance like that. But what I'm just saying is, um, I'm leading up to a point here. You know, instead of pressing the CDs, physical. CDs and I know there's streaming and everything okay but you know if I if I do put out something physically um you know, some people are going back to records again it's just like mind-boggling I know uh, I heard it's of an a interesting guy putting out quarter-inch tapes he's selling quarter-inch tapes of his album yes and cassettes and there's people putting out cassettes I couldn't believe it okay yeah. that's fine you know you might get a little you know a little kind of somewhat interest um but anyway uh going i still back have to lots real... of cassettes of among the ruins my very first album it's a collector's item people should buy it now I, I, 
I believe it. I believe it. And keep it. Keep it on cassette and that's a great format. <laughs> no, seriously. What I'm just I'm leading to a I'm leading to someone here, somewhere here. I I I'm more interested in putting out something on USB stick. Okay. The stick itself. Because the stick doesn't the stick reads the data in its purest form. When you have a CD spinning around at 20,000 RPM, there are errors. I'm sure you know that the laser does not read every single byte, and yeah. that has to it has to interpret interpolate uh, the mm -hmm. missing data, and that's why there's a buffer in in the um, the circuit. So you're not hearing the music as it's being read. You're hearing a lot of spaces that are uh, interpolated by the computer, which if you've got point A and point B, but there's nothing in between them, the computer will will use the, um, it's like sampling in a way, you, how you stretch something. But right. we don't hear it as being that. We don't hear it as being that. We hear it as being the sound quality is, is degraded, as a degrade in sound quality because of the, the amount right. of um, in, interpolation that goes on in the yeah. buffer circuit. That's why the USB is the purest. Yeah, if you have a wave, it's got to be a wave file, not MP3. That's the purest form of the music being heard by the listener. And it doesn't, you don't have to press anything. Mm -hmm. Things do not have to be pressed. And uh, I, that's really interesting to me. To have you're not making format. them yourself at home. You're not making thousands and thousands of USB drives. So you can have those manufactured as well. Yes, disc makers. I'm sure yeah. you know disc makers. They sure. have this USB form. I just, I was just thinking of it, and I just looked it up one day, and sure enough, they yeah, CD Baby's been doing that for years too. The USB? Yeah. I think it's a great format, really. Um, well, all the streaming is lossless now too, but nobody's making right. money from those. You could at least sell your USBs, but if you well, are you getting physical. them? Physical. Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm just thinking of that's a cool format. That you could sell at your shows. Sell at shows, or I just think it's so cool. And if I don't license anything, then yeah. that would be a physical format that I think would be really cool. You wouldn't license USBs. You license the <laughs> master, and they, you know what I'm saying. They press whatever I they want. Thought, yeah. Yeah, isn't it cool? I just that is cool. Yeah. Well, I like mm -hmm. the idea of good sound. You know, always want good sound. Yeah, your acoustic guitar especially sounded great. Now, I don't and I can't recall offhand what album it was, but there was because your, your 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 albums have a mixture of a lot of different things, um, guitar yeah. styles and sounds. Um, you're 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 like the 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 um the archive of all the guitar sounds in the world, you know your your music. <laughs> but there's the one album that had the acoustic. Yeah, so I'm to play. I have to plead uh, guilty for not knowing the name. But there was an album that the, the acoustic guitar sounded really good. Um, Thanks. Where it, it hit me like, wow, this, yeah, it's a great. So those those are the older ones though that we're just talking about before. So yeah, now I'm you've got newer. Better at recording now. <laughs> so but yeah, you I think... can do everything there. Now, do I see analog tapes? I love them. I love them. Yeah, I have a one-inch sixteen-track over there, and uh... great. Great. You know, it's fun sometimes to just go through that as I go to Logic, but I could do a hybrid yes. thing or a digital thing or just all tape. Because it had uh, dawned on me in 2019, my computer was giving me a lot of trouble. 
it was a 2014 computer and I kept doing all the updates and doing all the updates for the software and the plugins. And then it gets to the point where you're at 300 CPU and you're on the phone with Apple and they're going, you just need a new computer. Your computer can't handle this. And I thought, this is ridiculous. It's like buying a new tape recorder every five years. This doesn't make any sense. I thought I miss tape, you know, cause I used to have that half inch eight track even that I made the first album on. So I thought, you don't have to keep doing those updates. I, sh I should just get a tape deck again. But there's sure. good things about the tape and there's good things about the computer. So it's it's nice to have the pros sure. and the cons of both, I guess, and then just switch when it gets too hairy. <laughs> sure, sure. So do you run do you run the signal through the tape without actual running the tape? You just run it through the circuit and you get a warmer sound? Well, have the tape that? can still be going so that it plays off the other head when it gets to logic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or, okay, but I mean... The warmer or, sound is what you're after, or yeah, but, the tape com compression, that natural compression that happens. Yeah, it's super great with circuit. transients, especially, right? So anything that I record drums to, if I record the drums to tape, that's that's a great sound. They just sound good already, you know, going to tape. Wow, wow that's great. That's great. Yeah, you that's can still great. find some of these tape machines on, on reverb. And so I was just talking to a guy on YouTube this morning about how I've been writing to Tascam saying, you know, you should resurrect a couple of tape machines because there's a lot of folks yeah. at Berkeley that would love to play with them, you know? Yeah, they don't have anything at Berkeley? I mean, um, in the studio? Oh, they, they do, but, you know, kids want their own something or another, you know? I mean, I had oh, a quarter-inch four-track TIAC A2340 when I was 17. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a guy yeah, named Chris Mara, too. He runs a studio called Welcome to 1979 in Nashville. And it's all wow. tape-based from the gear that you would have seen in a studio in 1979. And no he refurbishes all the two-inch uh, tape machines, the 24 tracks, right. and right. Uh, resells those. He refurbishes them, sells them, and calls them Mara machines. Wow. Mara yeah. machines. Yeah, that's wow. fun. So and he's he got like you. Otaris, Studers, he, Otaris. Yeah, he'll take all. anything and, and then refurbish them, I guess. And uh, wow. he even has a tape camp weekend, which is cool. And uh, Really? You can go there for the weekend and learn how to service the machines and, and fix them and keep them running, wow. keep them happy. Wow. That's, that's where amazing. I was headed in March of 2020. <laughs> I was like oh. a week or two away before the pandemic. I was supposed to go to Nashville right. to go to tape camp. And a couple of uh, teachers there were like, I wouldn't go if I were you. <laughs> this pandemic is uh, bad. You know, and then we all, we, we all got sent home. <laughs> I was like, we all got sent home. Oh my God. And so oh I never, I never, I haven't been on a plane since. So <laughs> a friend of mine was just on a plane and she came back with COVID. So <laughs> it's like as soon as you think it's gone it's like still around it's yeah yeah well that's why i haven't been going for three years but the last time i went it's never been a nightmare flying oh i shouldn't say that but the it's last time a lot I, of hours yeah i don't mind the hours I just, it's the people the, 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 the last flight was i have to admit it was the flight from hell um <laughs> but that's another that's another story you know i was going to say one of the record companies that i was signed with before EMI was an, uh, another major and owned by Mitsubishi, it's called Nippon Crown. And they had their own studios. It was like a capital studio, Studio A, nice. Studio B. We record the orchestra in Studio A. It was a, a huge uh, operation. And um, then beautiful. one day, Pro Tools came. <laughs> now, 
Now, they had an SSL board as big as my room here right. in Studio A, and they had the same size one as Studio B without the big studio, um, you know, the, the, the recording room, the mixing. And all of these boards and all of the two-inch machines, and we had these JVC two um, digital, they looked like 24-track machines, but they weren't. They were digital, right? I don't remember. Right. The, is it the, the Mitsubishi X15? I think all these, all these Japanese, and it looked like refrigerators, half of a refrigerator, you know, because they're oh, huge, right? right? Big right. things. Yeah. And anyway, and um, he says, Tim, the one of the engineers, a good friend of mine, um, I had already been recording like for eight years for that label, and then one day he says, "Well, we got the Pro Tools system," and they went all nuts with the Pro Tools. <laughs> so we don't need we don't need the um, these other machines and they're on lease but the lease company doesn't want them back <laughs> you want to take them you want to take them home so, so you took home these giant tape machines no 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 no. they asked me if i wanted to take them home I said, oh my god you know and they're, they're huge the wheels right they're huge. oh yeah they're like a refrigerator i know I'm it's like, like the mm -hmm. picture above my head over there it was a big two inch track uh, uh, you know 24 track tape machine and it was like yeah yeah i mean no, I'm not going to take one of those. Looks Have like a, a washing machine that, down here. It's too big. Is that is that what it is? Is it a studer on your wall? That's what it would have been. That well, that's an MCI. Yeah. MCI. But, okay. Well, it just anyway, Lauren. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. It was just <laughs> like we're, well, because they're going to throw them away. <laughs> and I said what? And then you think that's the big SSL board? They said you want it. And it cost four hundred thousand dollars. Right. And when they the, when they first because they're leasing it, so they're still paying on the lease. But they got the Pro Tools thing, so they got to make room for, and they don't need a lot of room, but they need to get rid of the SSL board. I could have taken an SSL board. What the That's hell crazy. would I do with that? The no, electricity would, bill alone would have been monstrous. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. And I, you know, of course, I'd never, I'd never get any part of it through the front door of my house because it's. <laughs> It comes out in sections, and I thought, them, "Oh my God, that's what happened here." And when they got when they got all computerized, all these big, you know, the old analog equipment, um, the, the the SSL was flying faders. Yeah, that was it. That was it, as far as the automation is concerned. Wow, you know, because it was that old. But those are really, you know, you you like to have them, like a Neve. Mm. Um, Definitely. Those are the big two. And then API, those are the ones everybody wants. Still? Sure. Wow. They have the most wow. character. You know, the, the SSLs are a little brighter and bitier, and they, they are great for rock and roll and metal, and a lot of people love that. And then the Neve is warmer. Sometimes they like that better for the acoustic instruments, but a lot of people like all of it. So this one here is a, an audience. 4816 and it just has the cleanest quietest headroom and all the preamps no kidding 4816 so there's 16 channels and i had a bunch of external preamps that i could put 12 mics in around my drum set or whatever but this is easier and a lot of fun i just missed faders and i wanted to play with more buttons and knobs again right. because i felt like the mixer sure. was the the fun part of mixing and that they had absolutely they had taken that away, you know, but Absolutely. now I've gotten so fast in the box. I'm like, how much do I really need this mixer? So 
I've right. only had it a couple of years and I'm looking for new ways to always incorporate it or use it and have fun with it. And when I'm done having fun with it, it can move along. <laughs> so is it, is it all hooked up in the pro tools? All the functions are, I use logic. Yeah. To? Yeah. Oh, logic. Pretty much everything is going to where it's got to go now. Good. Good. Oh, great. And it's they crazy. move. Huh? They move? No, they're Do not the automated. Move? No, it's completely oh. analog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember um, when we were doing, I was telling you with Eddie, Eddie Kramer, mm. we chose studios. We had to choose which studios we were going to use um, sure. in LA. And he chose studios by the board. He, oh, he only would work with Neve. That was it. Vintage Neve. In LA, they got yeah. everything. But we get in there and we start using it and noisy and problems. And... But that's yeah. what he wanted, you know, and then <laughs> he likes to pan everything in real time. And he'd pan in real time and we print to tape. Yeah, it's a but live the pan mix. Pots, the live mix, that's what he would do. The, just the, like the, when the mix did is with, part with of Hendrix. the performance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the yeah. problem was, first of all, the faders were noisy and we had to tape off that you know those faders then the 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 pan pots were so tight he <laughs> couldn't move them he oh. were, and he's just like excruciating i'm like geez eddie don't worry about it we'll work on it you know do it in the computer or something he's <laughs> like no we gotta we gotta do it on the knee and, and and like his hands were all red and and then the skunk came in when i was in chick korea studio we were recording my second album and a skunk came into the ventilation system and 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 got churned up in the ventilation fan oh my god and, oh my god lauren it was like it was like somebody sprayed sarin sarin gas in the in the studio we couldn't breathe we had to we had to bail out of the studio oh yeah it was so bad all these we almost got arrested <laughs> you have to you, you you don't have to cut this out but I was, we were mixing, we were mixing the album and, and, um, we wanted to go out and get some pizza. So we, we go out just me and the engine. This is chicks. This is chicks engineer chicks, not alive anymore. So I think we're okay. Um, sorry, chick, um, <laughs> me and his engineer, we went out for pizza. And, um, so when we came back into the, into the studio, there was a, keypad that you punch for the security code okay well he had the key to the door <laughs> but apparently he didn't punch in the security code which i didn't know at the time so we came in through the um the back door and we went sat down and after we had our pizza we started mixing again right and the studio itself the room was completely dark because there was nobody recording. It was just completely, so we could see the window, but it was just dark. Mm. Anyway, we're, we're mixing away there. And next thing you know, we see some two policemen coming in from that dark room. <laughs> the hell, they scared the hell out of us like ghosts or something. <laughs> Holy shit. And they, they come walking and they burst into the, into the mixing room where we are out of the dark. <laughs> now they can see us. They could see us because we have the light, but we couldn't see them coming into the room. That's what scary. the hell? And they're going, they're threatening to arrest us. <laughs> oh, but, oh, but, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Before that, before that, we're mixing. Forget, forget about that. We're mixing. 
<laughs> and the, the phone rings right after we we come back into the room again. The phone rings, and system. the engineer. <laughs> well, well, I didn't know that, but the engineer <laughs> answers the phone as Bugs Bunny. He goes, abia, 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 abia. "That's all, folks," <laughs> and hangs up. And you know you're supposed to say like a, a password or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He 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 answered the phone as Bugs Bunny, <laughs> and I, I I said, "Who's that? <laughs> this isn't Chick Corea's studio. I kid you not. This is and his home says, studio. <laughs> well, this, this was is a home his studio. No, wherever this that was. A big studio that his in L.A. This is his main studio. Oh wow. Um. <laughs> yeah. So this is like an official. It's a real you know bona fide studio. Anyway. Yeah. She says, that was a security company. I says, uh, why'd you answer it? Well, I says, it's okay. It's okay. So as go back to, we start mixing again, and we see these policemen come in. Like five minutes later, they come in, and they're threatening to arrest us. Sure. I couldn't believe it. And as much as we told them, no, we're working here, you know, they wouldn't <laughs> believe us. So we had spent the rest of the session, and it was the last session of the night, of course, so there's no one else waiting. But my point is, First, we had the skunk. That <laughs> session died. Then we were going to get arrested, and they were quite serious. It took us, I don't know how many hours before we, everything got died down, and uh, all this identification and stuff we had to go through and paperwork, because uh, they thought we were really, they were, we were like acting like we were recording or something, you know. They thought we were robbers. <laughs> this kind of things happen, you know. Well, the skunk uh, wouldn't Gone, uh, gone away that quickly. How'd they get rid of that? How much time was there between the skunk and getting arrested? <laughs> well, actually, I think there was a week before I went back. And then after that was when we had the um, pizza, arresting the pizza robbers. Melissa <laughs> <laughs> oh McCarthy, the pizza eater. <laughs> the pizza, yeah. You got to watch that SNL skit. If anybody wants to laugh like crazy, Melissa McCarthy, the pizza eater. Oh, I saw, I saw her. Yeah, yeah. Saturday yeah, Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's a very funny skit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then she did um, Sean Spicer. All right. She did that too. Oh, my God. Oh, just, She's done Debbie, so many funny things. You know Debbie Downer? She didn't do that, but do you know Debbie Downer? Ah, uh, that sounds familiar. Oh my God! You know, there's always someone yeah. in, your, in your group of friends that always is like a negative type yeah, of person. Yeah. You know, everyone's real happy and everything. They always got one person. Yeah, but you know, but you know, you know this kind yeah. of kind I know of people attitude. like that. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I do too. And but Debbie Downer. Okay, so I'm gonna watch Pizza Eater. Is it? Yeah, the Pizza Eater on YouTube. All right. All right. And you and you watch Debbie you watch Downer. Debbie, da Debbie okay. Downer. Okay. <laughs> so so what what do you got going today? What's going on today? You're you're here with me, and I'm very happy to to see you. And uh, it's it's really great. But um, are you going to split the atom or are you going to record another album? What are you doing today? <laughs> I'll probably uh, listen through to this and, and do some editing and do the uh, voiceover stuff and uh, get it out in the world in a day or two or sooner. Wow, this is great. Get it out. What do you mean? You're, 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 you're... 
it's actually a it's actually a podcast net. it's an actual podcast now so any place that you can hear podcasts there's all these different episodes talking to all all these cool people wow and <laughs> hey listen berkeley should hear this story okay um, really because oh man let me tell you this story okay when i was at berkeley i needed um an extra credit I needed a credit in order to graduate. Mm. So this was the last semester and I was planning my, you know, um, my course courses for the last semester. And uh, I was, I needed one more credit and I was in the middle of deciding what course to take, what class to take. Mm. So I think it was conducting. I, I said, well, I'll take conducting. That sounds like an easy, an easy course. I'll just take <laughs> conducting and get, get the credit. I'll never conduct. George Munsoor, <laughs> he was one of the conducting George, teachers. Yeah, and it, that's exactly. He wrote. I think he wrote the conducting book, the mm. text. I still have it right here. Anyway, this is the story is going to blow your mind. Um, so I took the course, did it. We the final project was uh, Stravinsky. It wasn't the Rite of Spring. It was Madrid, which is a shorter ridiculous piece. Every other measure is an odd time signature and it was great. We're, we're conducting it. So it was great. Anyway, um, I finished that, graduated September 15th. Today, I graduated at the end of August, right? The, the September, the summer. And two weeks later, I'm in Japan. Okay, fine. You know the rest of the story. I'm here. Well, when I was signed to my, the first record company here, um, we did the, my, my first album for them and it went really well. Then they got this, um, movie soundtrack from, uh, this opportunity to do a movie soundtrack and the producer for this sound, this movie heard my first album and he wanted me to, to score this movie. I don't know what he heard on my first album because there was nothing on that album that had anything to do with what he was doing in this movie, but this movie was a big <laughs> major motion picture that got a lot of um mm. uh hi hype because it was it was a a, a book that had won like a, a, the pulitzer prize here it was a thick harry potter suspense thriller of a cool. book that became a big thing in japan so they're gonna do the movie right okay cool. make, make a long story short um they wanted me to score the 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 film so what do you want what do you want? I says, well, okay, if I'm going to do it, I need, it's whatever, whatever I wanted. You know, if they had a budget. I could buy this house for the amount of budget that we used. That's great. I want the Tokyo Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. I want horns. I want everything. And I'll score it out. I took scoring at Berkeley. <laughs> One <laughs> class. Mm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not telling you the truth. I, I lied just there. Wait a minute. We recorded the, they, my record company wants to have the CD, the soundtrack on CD. So they're selling their artists with the movie, you know, how the tie up goes. You got the Titanic soundtrack on CD with the, with the actual movie. Well, sure. we had to record the soundtrack CD well in advance of the music that actually went into the film. And you know what the reason was? Three months in advance, we got to finish the recording and get the, the song, everything has to be edited and everything because the printer needs two months, <laughs> the printer. We need to rush because of the printer. 
Believe that. Pre pressing the damn CDs has nothing to do with creativity at all. The printing company needs it well in advance. Okay. All right. Okay. So we did that. So all this time when there's um, there's certain deadlines that I was talking about before that you, you they want you to meet because as they're planning the music or as I'm coming up with the music, the, the movie's being filmed at the same time. So you're not seeing anything. You just have the script to work with and everything's huh. going on a par parallel track. And that's the way a lot of movies are. The music is being written before there's actually any thing to see. And then they'll get, <laughs> You'll get bits and pieces of the film, which are called, they're called rushes. Right. You've probably heard the word. And that's, they're rushing it to the composer to see what's actually going to be on the film. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the point being, we had to make the CD quickly. So we recorded most of the parts for the CD first and spent two weeks in the studio and it was very intense and it was fine. We finished. I finished on a Tuesday night, one o'clock in the morning. We're sitting there in in the in the mixing room. Oh, it worked out great. Yeah, we got some great music. Oh, now we're gonna the Tokyo Philharmonic is coming on that following Friday to do the the, the string parts and uh, the orchestral stuff. And all this time, this had been two months of me composing. All this time, I was under the assumption that there was an orchestrator. <laughs> I thought that everything was all scored out and just I'm going to come ask in on for Friday. An orchestrator. <laughs> they well, the reason I'm saying this is because sitting there at one o'clock in the morning, I had Wednesday and Thursday off. Now we've been recording straight for two weeks. Wednesday and Thursday is off finally, and I'll come in on Friday and do the finish the rest of the album. So anyway, we're sitting there and they say, well, Tim, so you've got the score almost done. And I'm going, what? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was shitting bricks because, <laughs> because Lauren, there's not one day of leeway that the music can be late. If the music is late by one day, <laughs> Everything will get shifted and all the money that they spend on the advertising, the TV, the magazine, the newspapers, the radio, thousands of dollars because the date of the release of the movie can't be met. It's all on my shoulders. And it was a huge pressure that I, that I felt. So anyway, mm -hmm. you got the score ready to go. And I'm going, oh, I'm shitting bricks. I go, yeah, yeah, it's ready to go. Holy shit. I, I flew back home. On, it takes two hours to drive from Tokyo to my home here. It was got home like three in the morning, right? I woke up at like the first thing crack of dawn, went to the local music store, bought some score paper, <laughs> the large score paper. And fortunately, they had it. I couldn't believe it. I was really lucky. I bought the freaking score paper. And Lauren, I wrote. I wrote and wrote. I whipped out my notes from Berkeley. Berkeley, are you listening? I wrote. <laughs> I took my notes, all these handwritten notes, you know, that we had, you know, they had those thin, you know, no soft, they weren't hardcover books or, or they weren't even, they were just paper copies of the, of the, the textbooks right. in, in they those were like days. Workbooks, yeah. They were like workbooks. Um, 
and whipped them out, all my notes, and I just scored away. Wow. Scored away. I had a, my guitar in my hand. I didn't play piano. And I tried to get the voicings using the both hands. And I scored from Wednesday morning until Friday morning. And I didn't sleep. And I was a zombie. The only <laughs> thing was I had, to, I had to score three full pieces for the orchestra, <laughs> not just one, and two for the orchestra and my band because we're going to rehearse two more pieces that go on the album we had to have the, the band, my harp guitar parts. Anyway, all this music had to be done within two days. Oh my God. So I just scored the hell out of it and I, it's all a blur. The only thing <laughs> was that was in an apartment and I was moving to my new house, this house on the Thursday. <laughs> so I just closed the door, my sliding Japanese doors, you know, I closed the doors and the movers came and I just scored away. It was like I was on automatic pilot. Wow. Scored away, scored away. And I would open up the door to go to the men's room or something, or I'd go to grab a bite to eat. There was only a refrigerator and my, my little futon. That was the only <laughs> thing that was left. It was so surreal. And I just would eat something. I might rest an hour or something and then come back and just score, score, score. Friday morning comes along. I got to be at the studio at one at 11 o'clock and it takes me two hours to drive there. Eight o'clock. I wake up. Oh my God. I forgot to do the two, the two harp guitar pieces that the orchestra is going to play. Just scored like crazy. And then I jump in the car at <laughs> nine o'clock and I'm on autopilot. I don't recall driving, speeding down the highway two hours to Tokyo. <laughs> I have no recollection, but what I do have a recollection is I had to get there at 11 o'clock because the, when I, when you write the score, the parts have to be written out mm -hmm. for all the orchestra members. Mm -hmm. Orchestra's coming in at one o'clock. So there's a two hour span between 11 and one. I, I bring the score, actually I have the score here and I have to hand it off to these uh, there's a company that actually will score out the parts in a mm. short amount of time they must have a whole bunch of staff uh, and they must cost a lot of money but you give them the score and they'll they'll write all the parts out i mean so i'm about to hand the score off when i look over a couple of pages holy shit there's like two measures nothing's written here two measures nothing written over here Two measures, not four measures. Oh, sure. So I jump into the closet with a pencil and I fill them in. You know? <laughs> now, I'm, I'm shitting bricks because this is a major movie and here it is all on my shoulders <laughs> and it's all on the back of my mind, Lauren. So anyway, I come out of the closet and I hand them the score. It's like this thick. And one o'clock, they're going to come back with the parts. Thank you and good night. In that time, in between 11 and 1, I have not played the harp guitar, these parts, these complicated parts. We're going to be recording them after the orchestra. <laughs> I, jump, I jump into the, into the closet, the <laughs> studio's closet, you know, and I start practicing. Don't let anybody see that I'm practicing. Right? <laughs> anyway, 1 o'clock comes around. This is where the story, get, the story gets fun. I hope, I hope there are some Berkeley students listening to this. Um, 
we're sitting there at the control and this is the big SSL board. So there's four of us sitting there. Me, the engineer, his assistant engineer, oh, my, my producer for the record company and the music producer for the film company. We're all sitting in a straight line looking out <laughs> at the orchestra. And I'm sitting in the middle with the, with the engineer. <laughs> and it's one o'clock. And I'm going, hmm, I don't see the conductor. Where's the conductor? <laughs> and everyone looks at me like, <laughs> that would be you. Holy shit, are you kidding me? What? <laughs> I, I just spent two days of just hell scoring some. I have no idea how it's going to sound. <laughs> and here I'm going to conduct. <laughs> the Tokyo Philharmonic is a world class orchestra, let me tell you. <laughs> and you know how these guys are real stuffy and proud, you know? Well, I'm like, holy shit, I don't have a, a, a baton. <laughs> so I, I look, I look, turn to the engineer, who's a friend of mine. And I was just telling you, he was a friend of mine. I says, well, he, he, we became friends. I says, listen, Maury, his name is Maury. Maury son, I don't have a, he says, don't worry, I'll be right back. He runs into the, the supply room, comes out with a boom, a boom box. And he rips the antenna off. Here's your, here's your baton. Thanks. I swear to God. So I go out into into the main main into the main room there, and you can hear everybody tuning up. And I'm shitting I'm shitting bullets, Lauren. And I get up there on the podium. I have no idea how this is going to sound. <laughs> and I'm and again, remember this can't go late. We don't have an extra day to do any more <laughs> fixing. We don't have the time. And. I'm going to get, I'm, they're going to kill me. Or the record company will kill me. And they're putting all this tr trust in their artists and all this money it was 120,000 bucks for this album. This with the orchestra, that's how much it costs. And, and that was at my disposal. It would have gone down the tubes, you see? So I'm start up. I start the first piece. I start conducting and it's beautiful. Wow. It was beautiful. I've never heard such. Oh my God, did I write this? And <laughs> all that, all that weight went off my shoulders. Oh, you that's see? great. And I started to, I started to cry. It was unbelievable, and it was beautiful. And then we stopped awesome. midway through because this was the rehearsal. We stopped oh. midway through, and there was some, there were some places that they, they fixed. They said you might want to raise this up a little, you know. I took one scoring class at Berkeley. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to keep those notes. Mm. And I was pulling my hair out. This is not the way I want to score a movie, this kind of ridiculous situation. But I did it. And thank God I had t taken that conducting course. Wow. That saved the whole thing. And I conducted with a, uh, uh, an antenna. How soon was it from an antenna? How soon was this gig from your leaving Berkeley? Because that stuff was still in your mind, perhaps, or you had to pull well, out the no, notes. I, I, no, I have them right here. I could show them. They're still there. I still got them stacked up. This was in 1995, and I graduated in 82. Oh, my right. God. So anyway. The best part of the story is one little last piece I'll tell you. That's my baton from Berkeley. <laughs> now you have a real one. <laughs>
That was the one I used at Berkeley, right? When I took oh, the course. Oh, right. It, my father found it in the attic. Oh, like that's a couple funny. years ago. And I said, oh, dad, I wish I had this when I was doing the, the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Lauren, this is, <laughs> and I keep it, I keep it here to remind me, you never know. You <laughs> never know what you might need in the future. I tell my students this story because mm. you never know what you might need. Um, oh, I want to be a guitar player. Yeah, I just want, everyone wants to be the, the guitar player or the, whatever you want to be. But then branch out because, again, this story is a huge success and they loved it. They, they loved the music. Uh, they really, really, uh, it was fantastic. a big success. But the best part of the story is the climax of the the movie was the, la the last piece that I was conducting. Mm. And it was sounding, it was like Wagner. It was dark and heavy. Wow. And um, I added fretless guitar onto it afterwards. You have to hear it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. But anyway, it's coming to this climax, the climax. And this is in the recording. We're recording. It's, the, the tape is running. Mm. And it's coming to, at that moment, I swung the antenna and it extended and went whack <laughs> right onto the podium whack <laughs> and everyone's looking hey hey and these guys as i told you they're the old stuffy pride <laughs> and they have every right to be because they were incredible players but yeah. them being conducted by a guy with an antenna a foreigner <laughs> with an antenna <laughs> Lauren, I tell you the look on their face. First, it was like, but then they started bursting out laughing because you can only laugh. The only <laughs> thing is, the music is this dark, intense, climactic, you know, the end of the movie, and it was a suspense. This whole thing was incredible. But anyway, that's my story. So, does that, is that have some, do you think that has some meaning for students who go to Berkeley? And, Think about you know, absolutely. What, you 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 never know what will happen in the future. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. I'm sorry, it was so it was so long, but all that weight came off my shoulders, and <laughs> it was going to be it was going to be okay. And you know what? The director was this big famous director in Japan. Now we're in another world over here. Mm. Over there, you got Spielberg and everyone. You know all these guys that everybody knows. Over here, they have their own. People, you know, uh, they're not as worldwide, but they're they're artists just like everyone else. Good mm. producers. This 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 movie director, um, he was a really well-known director at that time, and all the way up until he died last year. Oh. Now he died last year, so he was like an somewhat of an icon in the Japanese movie thing. And all this time, you know, people had said to me um, during the premiere. When I went for the, the premiere, they said, because the movie was so dark, <laughs> my goal was to balance the heavy darkness with beauty. Mm. Th that was a goal that was in my mind. I mean, the music had to come down, as mm. we talked about, but there was a goal of balancing this dark. I didn't see the film, as I told you, because they were they were they were shooting it as we were filming, but mm. the script. The script is like that. It's a book. I knew what the story was very much about. Oh, it's a dark story. Anyway, <laughs> during the premiere, the people were coming up saying, "Tim, your music saved the film." Oh, definitely. Like, no, no. I was like, sure. 
you know, I didn't believe, <laughs> I didn't believe a word. I, I just thought people were being nice. You know, I don't mean to be cynical or anything or not, or disbelieving. I just didn't have that much confidence in the music, to be honest with you, because it was under such pressure. Mm. Uh, but and you the, couldn't tell from being in it that deeply with that so little sleep. You had to get some distance on it. Exactly. Well, I'd been writing the music, right? I had been writing it for a month, but oh, true. the finished product, I, I didn't, I didn't really think it was my best. You know, it could have been better. As, as I think everybody says that when they do something like that. But anyway, all these years, this is a 95, all these years in my mind and in my heart, uh, I just think that they were just being kind to me, you know? Uh -huh. Well, well, the director died last year and this past um, June, they had um, a memorial remembrance ceremony where where he's done a lot of films, of course. That's his thing, right? He's famous for his films. And um, all the actors and all these people from the, the industry were invited to go and pay tribute. You know, they had a big picture of him on, you know, in front with the flowers. Mm. You know, he's it's like a funeral almost, but it's it's more of a, a, a banquet party. Well, anyway, they invited me to go. And I was shocked. I said, wow, they invited me? Wow. I just did that one film with him, you know? Anyway, I get there and everyone's real kind and everything. And uh, they had big panels of this films all around the banquet hall. And there's the one that, that I did. They actually had a copy of the script there too, which is kind of unique because you can't normally see that. But they had that. Anyway, when the, the head of the, they're on strike now. The, the String Actors Guild, SAG, oh, right. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. They're like kind of like the movers and shakers um, of the of the industry. And the they have their members, which are all the staff and all the actors and everything. But the top people of such uh, organizations, they mm. call shots. And they're the ones that a lot of people want to, you know, be friends with. Well, anyway, this old guy who was the who is the chairman of the Screen Actors Guild here, um, he gave the speech, this big long speech about the director. And the director was younger than him. And he was crying. He says, Oh, why did you have to go before me? You know, and it was everyone was in tears listening to this guy talk about the director. And I was mm. thinking, I was like, oh man, this is beautiful speech, you know. And why did you leave before me? Wait for me, I'll be up there. You know, and the guy was sincere as can be. After he talked, do you know whose music they played? I couldn't believe it. Because it was beautiful here. music. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Because it was what sincere just, and heartfelt. But the reason I'm saying this is because I thought they didn't like it all these years. I mm. thought that it was just, they were just being nice to me, you know, that we finished <laughs> the movie. And it, really, I, I didn't have any confidence in it. And that was that piece that I just told you about, the Wagner piece. Mm. Um, they played that, and they played some of the other ones as well in in the hall, and that that validated all of that, like absolutely. Um, what's the word? Lack of self confidence. Even at that mm. point in my career, still it was very unconf in unconfident. What's the word? You know what I mean? That's awesome. So yeah, so those are stories that. You know, it, it would not have happened without me going to Berkeley. So there's the gist of, of the point of what I wanted to say. In a it's long a great story. place. It's a great place. <laughs> yeah, and you're there. I mean, 
Lauren, I couldn't be prouder. I couldn't be prouder. You're there. I mean, hey, anyone's, if you just tell anyone I teach a breakup, well, that, that's a reflection of you. Um, and you should be real proud of that, you know? And I'm sure you are, but I mean, sometimes I think maybe you need to hear it from someone, you know, who went, who went there with you and uh, who, who, who means it, you know? Well, thank you, thank you. You should be real proud, yeah. And all the work that you've done since, you know, because, you know, I see some of these alumni, you know, a lot of people, they're just putting out their first CD. Mm. Oh, some guy just made his first CD. And it's like 25, 30, 40 years later, you know, and it's fine. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I right. mean, you make it when you make it. You do it when you do it. Yeah. You know, but but for someone who's been doing it for so long and ha and you haven't given up. And that's what Tommy Tedesco said. Mm. Three words, don't give up. <laughs> there yeah, you go. He was, he was um, taking any gig he could because his desire was to be the first studio guy that they call. He was doing so many oh. gigs and so many dates and playing on so many movie soundtracks and playing on so many TV show themes and albums mm -hmm. for people that he didn't even know mm -hmm. he was the guy. <laughs> They're right. like, you're already there. You've done it, you know? Right. So his don't give right. up translated into just keep saying yes and do as many things as you could. He was so busy, he didn't even realize he had managed it. <laughs> right, right. It's so great. I mean, because he 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 was, he was a great teacher too. And, and not in that, as far as guitar is concerned, but as far as getting along in the, in the industry, especially the studio scene, you know? It's just mm. what you're saying is you keep doing it. And um, he lived that philosophy of not giving up. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know but how many people he tells that, but he told that's what he said. And that's what you're doing the same the thing. I mean, not giving up. I mean, you know, I mean, I think it's something to, set, to be said about that, to find that direction in life, you know, and, uh, and do it. Just do it. Because, you know, it's the right thing to do is to keep doing it. You know, um, it's hard though right I mean, it's, it's you have self doubt. i don't know about you but i have self-doubt you know no matter how many albums i make uh, i still have self-doubt oh definitely you know? yeah well that's why your story is so amazing not only for the, the the berkeley side of it but the fact that you were feeling so much pressure and that you also had right. so much self-doubt as you say like is this going to work how's this going to sound and and right to be right. validated is very helpful. Right. And right, I think right, right. everybody who really cares about what they're doing has a moment of, is this going to work? I don't know how this is going to turn out. It's the, that Absolutely. unknown that is really scary for any artist. Absolutely. Exactly. And you never know when that validation will come. How, how could I have known that 25 years later, going to <laughs> the, the director's funeral you know, remembrance ceremony, that this would occur, this, and it completely, there was another, like another thing lifted off my shoulder. That's awesome. Right. It really is. So, I mean, you know, again, it, I, I was able to do that because it's Berkeley. I mean, yeah, Berkeley, you're getting, you're getting plugs left and right here. <laughs>
Well, there have been a lot of uh, friends who just took to the road and had some nice careers and put out lots of records and things, but they're touring, 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 and now they're coming back to Berkeley hoping to get a job, and they're telling me, you did it right from the very beginning. Ah. <laughs> so the grass always looks greener somewhere else, and uh, it's not necessarily true. But um, Yeah, yeah, touring, I mean, some of it is, you know, it's okay, but a constant kind of thing. I mean, it might be nice to do it once, maybe. I've never done it constant, but it, it might be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's physically. So most of the live shows you do are right there in Japan when they want you to play live? Well, you're, well I'm here, so most your of them are because I'm... Yeah, but the label doesn't necessarily make you have to do specific live performances. They're just wor They're just concerned about the record. Well, well, now, now, I mean, back when I was, you know, officially still recording for them, no, they would, they would put together things, especially on TV. It was great. I did. You have you seen Norwegian Wood on the fretless harp guitar? Uh, you haven't I don't seen think it. So. Oh no, man! I'll look for that. Is that on YouTube? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it should be. Um, Your arrangement. I had to do this. Well, sure. Um, they they asked me uh, NHK. That's the big thing here, the big TV, like ABC over there. Um, they wanted me to uh, do this, do it, get on this Beatles special program. They had a special on, and they wanted me to get, be a guest on. And I went up there. Cool. And the front, the harp, the beautiful, with all this dry eye. You wouldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. And, and, and that was mm -hmm. from my record company that wanted me to go and do that, you see. Oh, that's great. But, but without that, no, I just don't, I don't stay in Japan only. Yeah. But New Zealand and. But you're yeah. you're talking about it like the label is a past thing. So what's the thing now that you're working on or doing? There's a label called Marky, over here, mm. which is a hard rock. But there's three albums and they're all completely different. So um, I I'm, yeah. but I do want to put out. Yeah. It'd be really cool to get a bunch of songs in a film. Not necessarily score a film, but like every once in a while, there's a film that has a bunch of songs sure, in it. Sure. And I think, gosh, sure. you know, my songs would fit sure. in films so nicely, you know. Sure, sure. Oh, that, I mean, you have a do you have a publishing company? No. Are you involved in a publishing? Because that's part of what they do is exploit. Exactly. You know, that's, that's what they call it, exploiting. You know. The, yeah. And place, placing. Placing their, you know, right. uh, working the uh, the catalog. Right. Yeah. Right, and st that's stuff that has been, that's that's really an old school um, topic, model. but it's still very model. It's still very valid right now mm. with the internet and everything. All of that still, there is placement, you know, that is takes place. I know. I like that. Movies come out placement all the time, and music is place. being used for everything all the time. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people physically have a hard time playing the instrument. I have a video right. I should show you. It's talking about alternating picking, and people yeah. can't skip strings. They can't alternate their fingers, or they can't skip strings, and they can't play guitar yeah. well. They don't have a decent yeah. groove or a decent de decent rhythm without that. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's like a drummer who can't do a fill. It's like, come on, you got to be able to keep good time and do a fill once in a while. That's the job, you know. So it's like if you can't, <laughs> if these six strings are in the way of each other, don't play the guitar. Play a uni. Play, play, play one uh, an instrument that has one string, you know, because that's how they're playing. They're, they're playing it like it's monophonic, like there's only a, 
it's only a flute these days. Very few people play two, three, four, five, six. You know, they only play six notes or one. Right. <laughs> six notes or one. It's either a full a full chord or one note. Talent is something that really, really is a unique kind of thing. You mm. know, and I mean, real talent. So, and I guess that's the way it should be. Um, <laughs> I think the musicians will always be heads above. <laughs> was Mark French, was he, uh, well, he was still there when you were there. Yeah, um, I studied with him too uh, and got me ready for the senior recital thing. He was the one that was always saying, right. it's not a show, it's a senior recital. He was thinking that I was going to crash and burn because they had never had a woman finish the department, finish the program before. I had found out really? the day before I finished that I was the first woman to graduate as a performance major. Oh, great. Great. Uh, so you're a pioneer. You're the pioneer. You know, Mark told me, you know, I would go into his lesson. We wouldn't play. He would just talk. Hmm. And he told me all kinds of stuff. I really liked Mark. But we didn't play. It's funny. And I was there with a the fretless guitar, too. Jim Kelly was the only one that really wanted to play with me. Mm. I wanted to play the fretless, and no one else was like, "Oh, what are we gonna do with this guy?" But, but anyway, Mark said to me, "This is Tim. I can't believe Schofield is doing is still playing." He said he never practiced. He never did anything that I showed. He never came to the the lesson. He said, "I can't believe it's the same guy that I was teaching." You know, in the '73, I think it was. That's great. It was just a few. And yeah, he says, "I can't believe it," and he was so glad. Oh, that's that he good. was doing, he was doing well, but he told me, he says, man, he was the last guy that he thought would, would make something of it, you know? And that's, that's just, why are these teachers confiding in me? You know, why are they confiding in me? That's kind fun of to know. <laughs> well, people come interested in their own things, right? I, uh, was it Nick Park that uh, did uh, South Park, that, that, that uh, cartoon? There's a very off-colored, crazy cartoon called South Park that's really funny. Oh, I know South Park. Yeah, yeah, I know. The, and I know. the guys that created it, the one who does the, the theme song, also went to Berkeley. And he was always sitting in the back of the lab rooms with his sunglasses on, not interested in anything, playing the funkiest, stupidest, little, crazy, little melodic things. And that's the music to South Park, right? No so kidding. Great. Oh. So I think some people come in, you know, they just have a mission. Like, I didn't realize that pop rock was something that wasn't going to be respected at Berkeley at the time. My guitar teacher that I studied with for five years before I went to Berkeley never had a hierarchy of, of styles of music. Now, harassment of any kind isn't tolerated, but there are still teachers that, you know, have their jazz is the best thing kind of way. Right, and, um, right, right. right. You know, I didn't realize that pop rock is all the styles, so nobody knew what to do with me either. Mark French would laugh and say to Larry, I'm going to say she studied jazz with you, and he'd say, I'm going to say she studied classical with you. Because I wasn't classical or jazz, you know? Right, right. And don't well, you, do a you, show. Were, you had elements elements of all, all the genres. Yeah, I, I got do. some benefits from, from jumping through those hoops, I think, you know. And sure. That's what makes me disappointed in the guitar department now is that performance majors can come in and do anything they want. You can sing in your recital now. I couldn't sing. Uh, I did a little do-do-do. That was allowed. But I wasn't allowed to talk, and I wasn't allowed to sing, and it wasn't a show. And I had to do all these crazy classical pieces with a pick and do my best to mm -hmm. improvise on things that I right. had no idea what I was doing. Because no, Mark and French would say, don't practice your solos. 
So I was probably one of the only people walking in there, honestly, never practicing solos and just trying to hopefully hear something good in the moment. <laughs> oh, well, that well, that was the point, right? Is to make it of the moment. Is that was his 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 idea? I don't know, but it's like the, the thing that was closest to me to understand improv was Hal Crook's book, How to Improvise, because he broke it down into sections. It was really well taught. And he was a trombone uh -huh. player. So going through that book helped a lot, but I don't play those things and I don't put myself in those situations and I don't improvise right, right. and I don't care, but right. I, I create right. thousands of songs out of nothing, you know, right. and these beautiful guitar solos and slide solos, it's a whole other thing, you know, right. and it, it's okay. Like it, it's, it's fine with me. I think they didn't think even much of Pat Metheny when he came through. And I think they were all shocked by that. So then were you around? No, you had already left, right? Because in 1992, did you hear that story about how Pat was looking for a rhythm guitar player and out of 400 people came down to me and one other guy from Germany? No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I almost went on the road with Pat Metheny because I liked uh -huh. the Beatles, because I could groove, because I love playing think... exact voicings, because I have a great ear, because I love right. recording and could blend my guitar right, right into the recording and audition well. Right. You know, like right, all those right. skills that none of those other guys could do. And they were bullshit. They were so mad. Uh, there were people that were like crunching my posters on the wall and looking down on me and never looking me in the eye or never talking to me. And I didn't realize people were just jealous of me all these years. And I was the uh, only woman in the guitar department for six years. And you, you, you trailblazed, you know, a new path. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. that goes without saying. I know now they're open so, to any style. Yeah, but see, that, that, that's not the way it was, <laughs> no. as you just said. No, it was either so classroom or jazz. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, do you remember the bass player, her, the girl? I don't remember her name. She had blonde hair. She was kind of a punker. And she joined the band that became kind of somewhat famous in the kind of a punk scene. Was that I Amy Mann? I don't remember. Was it Till Tuesday? Yeah, Amy Mann. Okay. And was I she remember, a bass player? I thought she played guitar too. No, she was. A, I, I saw her as I knew her as a bass player. And it, you know, oh. at that time, even me, I was a rocker. From that's when I, I rocked out all the time before I went to Berkeley. When I went to Berkeley, yeah, I started to play jazz, and that's when I started using all these upper structure triads. I got to blame that on Berkeley, but nice. I love this. I love the, the. I love that. You know, that was great sound to be there for. Yeah, this. That's what. That's that's what's only on this page is upper structure, which is great. Yeah. But my point being, my point being, I was in that jazz kind of, I'm there for jazz. I yeah. wasn't there to learn how to play. I was there to learn how to put it on paper so I can go out and do what I'm doing now. That's the whole oh, reason. Wow. Not to be a, not to that, learn how to play guitar. That was your um, major? But my, composition? Actually, it wasn't composition. Um, And it wasn't performance either. I don't even remember what the major was. Professional music, so, so, maybe? Maybe it was probably, it was like the liberal arts. Of, <laughs> yeah, but, but of what you have that's nice is that you got to be away from Berkeley for 40 years and not even think about it that much anymore. So it's not a haunting thing. My students come crying to me with the same problems that, are, that I faced, you know, the same harassments, the same torture from the ensemble department. It's like the problems what? don't go away, you know? What? It's, it's funny. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, so, uh, then what I'm just, we're just going back. I'm just, just my, my, what I wanted to tell you was I remember that girl. Yeah. Amy. Amy Min. She's still a giant Boy, musician. She's doing great music. Really? She well, has she got, music and films and. 
she got hell when we were there. I remember the jazz guys were like, what are you in my class for? You could just feel the vibe against her. And she would kind of be like off into the corner or something like that. She had blonde hair that was dyed in right. a punky kind of style. And she had, right. I think she had a pre precision base. Or, and, and, and that's, I mean, I've, I, I didn't have that feeling against her at all. Not at all. I mean, it was not, a, feel it was not a good, yeah, it was not a, a conducive place for women. I even had a guy that uh, taught mix one and it was the, the week Lennon was murdered. So I am just distraught. Right. And I'm in there trying to do a, a mixing final because the finals week was pretty soon after December 8th. And I hear a zipper open. And he pulls it out and it's just what? hanging there and he's got this smirk what? on his face. And I'm the what? only person, I'm the only person in the 150 building at the back of the hall, way down in the back, the only like two people in the building. I'm like, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? And I just left, you know, like I should go look wait, at wait, my wait. transcript and see what grade I got. <laughs> wait, you were mixing in the studio, right? I was doing a mix final for this guy and he exposed himself. I mean, like, it was it's, never it, about music. They never took me seriously. They didn't see the value. They didn't take me seriously. Only Larry said, yeah, she can play and explain things well. But, you know, it's not like, it's like that That has been great. But but it's like they, they never saw the value of it until the Pat Metheny thing came. Then they were like, whoa. And then Mick Goodrick was uh, like, you're amazing, you know. And he uh, started fighting for me. He almost quit because Rick Peckham was on my case for so many stupid things. Probably because he tried to, you know, audition for the Pat thing and didn't get it either. And then one of his best friends used to walk past the hall and never even look at me. He retires and he says, you're an amazing musician. I'm just so honored that I got to work alongside you all these years. And I wished I had more time to talk to you. I'm like, what? He never even looked at me and said, hello. You know, it was like not cool to say that I was okay, you know? Wow. I mean, it's been well, torture in a lot of ways. And it, I've been like strutting around like it doesn't bother me. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm tired of this shit. You well, know? <laughs> no, you know, you know the real deal. So they're, they're, people are always just bold, bold over. They need something to to smash the reality into their into their heads. And if Pat Matheny says you're the real deal. And, oh, man. But that's sad. That's sad too, because I mean, in a way that they're only listening to him, you know, they should just take you on your face value. I could care less what Pat Metheny says about anyone. I'll listen to someone and make my own decision. And it's mm. great to have a compliment. That's a great to have a compliment. But my yeah. point being is what you're saying. They should take like you on your face value. Well. Yeah. That's it. That's all we I mean, ever wanted. That's, that's what most women want. It's like, we're actual musicians. Sure. Sure. And it goes back to what I was saying about Amy. I'm sorry, I don't really know her name, Amy. Um, and she did she did well, Amy Mann. She did well after that, but when she was at Berkeley, I'll never forget because she was a woman. And she had another strike against her because she was punker. She wasn't it's even a rocker. She was punkers. a, yeah, a punker. She was one of the <laughs> oh, I didn't even know she did a recital. Yeah, she did um, a recital like in 1A, and I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, hey, I would have been the same I'm but sure I really I liked Till way. Tuesday, and I love a lot of her solo stuff. She's great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You can yeah. look her up. She does beautiful 
really interesting. Her, she's got a completely different harmonic sense than anybody else. Her chord progressions oh, really? are instantly recognizable. You go, that's Amy Mann. Even if you don't hear her singing, you know it's Amy Mann because she okay. just does chord combinations that are so cool. And right. I've, I've run into a few students who have her as one of their favorite artists and you hear it in their playing. It comes right out of their, right into their songs too. She's, cool. got, a, she's got a cool sound. Cool. Well, that's good. I'm just glad to hear that she did something with her career after she left Berkeley, you know? Oh, she um, did, did really well. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. She's done yeah. a lot of well, movie, movie soundtracks too. Good. Good, good. Yeah. And she must be pulling her hair out then. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> it's it's another world. I don't want, I don't want to be in that world again. Uh, wow. As much as it was good, it was good to me, but um, it's nice yeah. to do your own stuff. It's yeah. nice to do your own stuff. Yeah. It really is. Keep doing your, you've, doing done, your own you've done incredible things. It's amazing. We didn't even get a chance to talk about your building of instruments and fretless things. I remember oh, you were saying that you... Uh, loved fretless and then you were pulling the frets out of all your guitars i was like what yeah yeah, yeah. Well, but that inspired me i had one of my strats fretless for 20 years i oh, great. put that in a lot of my songs it's a lovely sound and now there's this thing great. called flatter have you seen this thing it's this no. plastic thing that opens and you loosen your strings and you put it uh on the guitar neck and the strings go on top of it and it's a instant fretless maker because it oh. makes the whole thing flat <laughs> cool. yeah that's interesting yeah. oh my god all these years are spent developing I'm, I'm actually restoring a lot of my guitars because i have a show coming up in um um uh november all my all my collection is going to be on display oh that's awesome um, but i've been, been producing my own brand you know i got two two of my own brands and that's, that's something awesome. i think you know like berkeley have no idea what all this is going on you know a guy a one of the students has their own brand sold around the world i mean god you know for the longest right. time they would hardly put me in berkeley today because again a guy was the gatekeeper and uh, wasn't too interested in what i was doing but now there's a new person and yeah. she puts my new releases in every time it's the first time i've ever had pictures in there you know good. of my releases oh, and stuff she good. i could i could hook you up with her she would put you on the cover of berkeley today you should you should be on that yeah well thanks um i'm not real proactive in 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 you know that that kind of thing so that's why but i'm you still have a website and a bio or something where all these things are listed oh, yeah. and talked about oh yeah. oh yeah would you mind if i tell her about you would you sure do a berkeley sure. today cover or anything i mean you should sure. I, i'm super sure. proud of you i think you've done a lot of cool things that people would love to hear oh, yeah. about and people would remember your name you know well be great if, if you get around to it wonderful yeah why not in in, in the meantime what could it hurt what they what they do is you know probably want to interview you and then take a photo session yeah. you know sure sure i'll tell them many stories of the <laughs> skunks and stuff like that <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, because the music, at the end of the day, it's it's all about the music. But when the music is done and you're enjoying it, you only enjoy it after it's done, years after it's done, right? Because you're so close to it mm. when you're right, when it immediately finished. But after it's yeah. done, after all these years, and you remember the, the, the stories that are fun to tell and things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, That's... you, you know, um, well, the guy is Jim, Jim Kelly. I like Jim. 
I used to like Jim a lot. He's just finishing up his 50th year. 50th year. Yeah, Jim. He's He's awesome. He's a a good guy. Yeah. He never never gave me any crap. He was always very respectful and kind. Yeah. Tell him I if you happen to see him, tell him I said hi. Sure. Um, I really enjoyed being in his lesson because he was he was the only one that let me play my fretless. That's nice. Um, and you know, and he he dug it because he also played bass too, right? Sure. Um, I remember Jim. Yeah, he's one of the guys. Um, but in general, the, the the experience was was good. But the one thing, Lauren, I got to tell you, and I and I really. It, I shouldn't say it bothers me, but I think there's something that's so fundamental to being um, a successful musician. Very fun. Besides the human aspect of being likable and all of that, getting along with people. Besides all of that stuff mm. that's not related, not related to musical ability right. at all. I'm talking about when I was at Berkeley. You know, um, I was a young kid, right? Well, we were young. We were kids. Let's say we were. Let's say we were kids, and we were. We we're in our early twenties. Um, I just want to just play, play, play. I want to just play, play, play. <laughs> I had no no sense of swing, a a groove. Hmm. I had gr- groove. The issue of groove was not first on my plate. And it was never, ever in all the time that I was at Berkeley, it was Talked never about. ever discussed at all. It, I know. Anyone, feel is everything, and that's everything. And know. you know, I look back and I say, Jesus, all these years that I've struggled with this, this issue, learning it myself, but mm. not being aware of it, not being aware of it, listening to it in playback. And saying, geez, I want to be more in the pocket. Geez, I want to be more group. Geez, why am I ahead of the beat? All these things that you deal with when in, when you're – it's a time issue. Mm. And that is something that beyond anything else – and, you know, I had sevens. I was only there a couple months, a couple semesters, and they already gave me sevens. Nice. And so I thought, oh, well, that's great. I could get sevens. No, I couldn't groove for shit. <laughs> I, I listened to this recording. No, seriously, I can't listen to any recordings that I did at Berkeley. I can't <laughs> because it pains me, really. If yeah, I had a good groove, now. yeah, and I'm not saying I have a great groove now either, but I'm very much aware of it and mm. very much sensitive to it, really sensitive to it. I kick drummers' asses, you know. Um, <laughs> But it's great to be in that place of being able to kick a drummer's ass. But it, mm. it's something that I should have been able to, I should have been aware of when we were there. That is why, mm. you know, I mean, if I'm going to take lessons when I was there, and it was great taking lessons and everything. As I told you, that's not why I went there, is to become a guitar player. Mm. But it was great to be exposed to these great teachers and all of that. But they never, never once, ever, ever discussed the issue of feel. Wow. And he, never. And and you know, Lauren, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it's a, that... I think it's it's terrible because to me, even though there's a million things you have to teach and maybe most students aren't ready for it, it shouldn't be the last thing that they have to embrace. It should be something that they think about sooner because right. 
it's right. not be easy. aware of yes to be aware of is my point yeah. exactly yes I'm, I'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no absolutely and i'm on students about their sound and the feel right from the very beginning because when people want to do jazz and they just sound like this and it's too dark and too much low mids i'm like you wouldn't be able to hear you in the back of the hall and you wouldn't be able to discern anything on a recording like you right. you have right. to play cleaner you have to play slower you have to play in the pocket and you've got to have a better tone without a little bit of treble not that's not just not it's just not going to translate you know right okay so sure. yeah tone and feel i'm i'm talking about that constantly good 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 i mean I, because I, you know there's billions especially of guitars, in jazz there's billions of guitar players in the world and there isn't any one that i'd have in my band besides me you know it's like i'd rather clone myself 17 times and that's what i do when i'm on recordings because people play too hard they play too fast they don't play in a pocket they they play right. sloppy they don't uh they don't say anything you know it's like right. and the, the funny thing was george harrison and james taylor are like my favorite guitar players right and they're considered nothing compared to Wes Montgomery or Pat Metheny or Eric Clapton or any of those people, they come, what, 50th on the list or last, you know, and if they make the list at all. And those are Pat Metheny's favorite two guitar players. So mm. it's like point, point made, you know, it's like. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. There oh, you go. Man. It's um, just crazy. Well, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you agree with me. Um, but you, you understand why I'm a little, not, not perturbed, but I'm a little disappointed that the, that issue was not ever raised where mm. they could have just said it once. Someone mm -hmm. could have just said it once and set me on the path. And is it know? possible maybe somebody had, you know, but no. they just didn't, um, no. never heard of it? No. And, and you no. seem to have gotten out of Berkeley without any hangups. There are so many people I know from Berkeley, including myself, that have like so many freaking hangups from Berkeley. What do you, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? I'm, Maybe I do. I don't know. That's the only know. issue that I could, I could think of. Yeah, that of sounds bad, like one. That's why I brought it up. We had. Oh, we did have very bad food. Yeah, I walked cool. in, you know, I was complaining about the food almost every day. And I walked in one time to complain to the head lady, whatever her name was. And there was a box of delivered meat. And it said grade A choice beef. And then it said a box grade B, grade C, suitable for human consumption, grade D, not suitable for human consumption and c was checked suitable for human consumption oh my god and you know unless we called the health department we didn't get a decent meal so it was only around thanksgiving where you'd actually get chicken breasts and real ice cream and uh some nice vegetables and all that stuff but and the kids now have a thing that the the, the cafeteria looks like a, a food court at a mall it looks amazing People pay there to go to eat if they don't have a food thing, you know, like it's, it's, Oh my God. And, and they're complaining about the food. It's like, are you nuts? You have no idea what we put up with those little pockets that used to say was a veal cutlet, which was just this little pocket of God knows what, and little kernels of things in there that they thought was meat. It was just outside breadcrumbs and stuff. It was horrible. This greasy pocket of a non edible, who knows what they called was a veal patty. It was like, you're much more vocal about it than I am. That's for sure. You remember, I don't God remember help that. Us. Yeah. Well, I still have friends that we still talk about it because I'm still there. So they're like, do you remember this? Do you remember that? It's like, wow. Lauren, 
I just remember chasing a rat down the down the hall, going to the the cafeteria, <laughs> and the rat went in. He ducked into the cafeteria. Thought, oh, yeah, my we used to feed them in the cafeteria. <laughs> we used to throw the French fries or whatever, and you'd see them come <laughs> out in the corner. <laughs> oh God. No, but you didn't have any other issues. Well, you had no those issues you just told me about a minute ago were very serious. But no, I mean, my, those that's it, right? Those besides are the that, that, it was that, improv because it was like, why aren't you a jazz player? And it's like not everybody wants uh, to be a jazz player. Not everybody functions in a an ensemble the way they wanted a guitar player to 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 function. You know, I wanted to be James Taylor and be in a James Taylor type band or Fleetwood Mac or yeah, or or the yeah. Beatles, and that had nothing to yeah. do with anything with Berkeley. It wasn't even considered. Yeah. When Paul right. Simon got the, he was the first pop artist to get an honorary doctorate. I was like, because up until then they didn't, you know, John Stevens took, it took years to get his John Lennon, music of John Lennon course, years. And the only reason he got it was because John was murdered and the Associated Press came running to the school saying, what do you think of this horrible tragedy? And they're like, uh, we don't have any Beatle experts. Uh, talk to faculty member John Stevens and student Lauren Passarelli. Maybe they know a few things about the Beatles. And John got his course. You know, they didn't no even kidding. think it was important. You know, wow. they, they were 50 wow. years behind. It took Larry Bayonne 12 years just to give me a Beatles guitar lab because he didn't think anybody would be interested in that. Really? And I get so many endorsements for being a faculty member, for being an artist. You know, most of my equipment, it's either half off or free, you know. And right. I'm saying to Larry, 35 years ago, you should talk to these companies that make amps, like Fender. They give us some amps. How are we going to do that? I said, you ask. You know, like, these were just musicians who loved music in a family-owned business and we watched it turn into this gigantic university. Now they're trying to keep, compete with UMass and Boston College. And they built that giant, tall, high-rise 160 building just to have a decent dorm because kids weren't coming because we didn't have a decent dorm. I mean, it's like, it's so not about the music. It's about the business of being a college now. When we said we wanted to start a union, it was like, well, then we have to have ranks. And now we have to have this and you have to have, you know, you know, all of a sudden it became, it wasn't just, hey, you play guitar and you show people how to play guitar. It all of a sudden became very corporate, you know. So no, everything has changed and grown up and, and gotten yeah. somewhat better, I guess. But it's a weird thing, you know. Well, they're long, long growing pains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long. I mean, sure. The Beatles were 50 years ago. I mean, and well, still. that's it. That's it. It was so far. Like, they finally just embraced the Beatles maybe about 10, 12 years ago. And it's like, you're kidding, wow. right? You're so wow. far behind the times. No kidding. They didn't wow, even think they mattered. It's like. Well, without, without you there, that wouldn't have happened. I'm sorry. That's just would not have happened. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I and all know. the people that you've got, tons of people must be attending your course and, and, and getting the real deal. Without that, yeah, we had a lot of that. Up. We had a lot of that. Good. Now everything yeah, goes. Yeah. They even have a turntable major. Right, I heard about that. And and now that. you know, like Stephen Weber was telling me, he he runs the whole power station, New York City, Berkeley facility now. Berkeley like owns the power station in New York City. This this the studio? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, some alumni or just rich guy 
came around and just said, hey, why don't we put the power station back on the map and make it part of Berkeley and I'll pay to have the whole thing refurbished. And now they have like the latest and greatest audio and visual whatevers, which is awesome. And they're sort of teaching the saying that's Berkeley, New York City. They have like alumni events there and they have the studio still doing amazing things. And um, they do uh, a little bit of teaching, I think. But Stephen Weber was telling me, oh, yeah, now they write songs by uh, these, like 11, 12 people get credits for writing a song. I said, what, they're writing by committee? <laughs> said, you talk about it like it's a bad thing. It's like, it is a bad thing. <laughs> like, you want 17 oh, sure. cooks trying to cook your meal? I don't think so. Oh, my God. Oh 19 my God. drivers and, to get you somewhere? And no. I'll, and I'll bet you the tunes are as rudimentary as they could possibly be. They are. They, they suck. And, they, and you listen to them and you go, it took 12 people to write that? I was right. writing that when I was nine, you know, like that's right. not, that's not even a decent song. Right. So it's like you said, everybody I know who's in the music business keeps telling me there's nothing I can do. It's like publishing sucks. Songwriting sucks. Touring sucks. You're not getting paid for gigs anymore. It's like, I keep the people I have worked with have died. You know, it's just like, it's like, where do I go? Where do I belong? Well, where, how do I, What's the next step? You know, it's like nobody yeah, ever knows, yeah. you know, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah. But, but at the other side of the coin, there's a lot of people that would be, you know, that wish they could be doing, you know, that. Exactly. Exactly. So that's always the other side of the coin. And everything, I mean, everything is brain training. So have you ever heard of the reticular activating system? No. There's a thing in the brain that's like a magnet. Okay. So the better you feel and the higher your vibration, the better the opportunities are for you and things happen and come to you. And all the best things that have ever happened to me have come without me doing anything, you know, because I've sure. just been in the music, just having a great time, just being me. Right. And all right. the BS I'm not paying attention to. As soon as I'm paying attention right. to the BS, Things yeah. slow down and feel bad sure. and, you know, it, it becomes a spiral. Like you get more and more of the bad rather than more and more of right. the good, you know? Right. Well, there is a synchronicity involved there. I mean, absolutely. That's why. Um, because there's a thing in the brain that actually brings us more of what we are talking about and thinking about and worrying about, you know, or good. dreaming about, you know? So they have to but, put up what? Some magnets in the cap or something. We've got to just get some new dreams, but everything has changed so much. I don't even know what to dream anymore. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> what was that? It was a, oh, there's a dream. Uh, that was in the song. That was in the song. Um, but I forget how to dream. I hear a call, sweet dreams, but I forget how to dream. Right. Who's this? It's time. Wait, that's Carly Simon. All um, right. Right, right. That's your song. That's the song. Yeah. Yeah. I forget how to put a beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. When I was that young, that young to have that song and who, who's a, a, a little 13 year old boy being moved by a song about a, a young woman who's being pressured to have a family. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some, you know, yeah, we, we weren't, we weren't bumps on logs, you know, we were moved by the music at yeah. such a young age. And um, that was uh, just one of many, many examples I could say. And you, I'm sure you got a million as well. Um, where the young people nowadays, this is something that they're definitely lacking is that being moved to such a degree that it changes their life. Mm. You know, it's, I mean, the music changed us. I mean, you know, in life 
and all of that. But now it's like, well, I think I'll go into music or hmm, I think I'll play guitar or something. What, what am I going to do? They actually decide like it's as something that it's like, it's a choice. I'm going to go into math. I'm going to go into music. Or, mm. but it's not something that changed them when they were young, mm. you know? And I find some students like that, like, well, you want to be a studio musician. Why do you want to be a studio musician? Well, I just think it'd be cool. All right. Well, you, can you read? Well, we got to work on that. <laughs> All right. All right. But he wants to be a studio musician. So you see, it's, it's, it's been a decision that he thinks it's cool. It's just a cool I know. thing. It's not like I'm, I'm, I respect, I respect Jay Graydon, you know, or Carlos Rios or, 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 or even Steve Lukather. Mm-hmm. Or I was on an album with Steve Lukather. I got to tell you that, uh, and Jeff Beck. That's another story. Uh, <laughs> um, but see why you should be on the cover of Berkeley today. Yeah, but you, but do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's do that too. Let's do that too. But um, but no. The, <laughs> where are the people that you respect? So, Lauren, my student, he says, okay. He comes back to me and he says, um, I want to study composition. I said, great, great. I says, but before you you mm. decided to study composition, what are you composing at this moment right now? What have you composed? Right. I mean, have you? And so nothing, you see. So that's what I'm saying. It's just a thing. I like, have lots of students like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. That it's I don't understand that. either. I don't understand that. I mean, so I said, well, Berkeley's not going to take you and you're not going to be able to major in composition anyway for the first two years. I mean, you're going to have to take mm. the basic stuff. But but when it comes time for you to to decide, I mean, to major in something, they're going to want to see some, uh, I'm sure they're going to want to see some, maybe not, but uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a composition major should be composing long before they go into Berkeley. Am I am I right or wrong? I would think, I think people and should not be just playing or composing. Or, yeah, or doing whatever they're doing for a few years before they go to Berkeley. Why start anything on college level? Exactly. You know, it's harder exactly. to catch exactly. up. But exactly. Berkeley has always been, we'll take anybody, but now there are auditions to get in. Because we want to, we want to, train them from the very beginning correctly. And so if you have a passion, we'll help you get there. And if you're already nine, 10 years in, we'll make you great. And if you're just in the middle somewhere, you'll probably be much more enjoying what you do and better at it. But you know, like they don't make any guarantees. It's just like, here it is and it's yeah. for everybody. And that's fine, Yeah. you know, I, but I, I just, I've had this conversation with a lot of people who have been to Berkeley and it's not a, a, a new idea, but we just all went there thinking you have to be really serious and you want to be a really great musician because Berkeley's going to make you right. a musician scientist. <laughs> if you have no interest in going that deep, don't go to Berkeley. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> but, sure. But we thought everybody there was going to be as serious as us, and they weren't. You know, we were we were just even more deep into these things than some people and that's okay so you so you had the same experience oh yeah i was playing i knew 20 places to play each chord before i got to berkeley i was like and they didn't see that they still put me in chord lab one and it was jim freejack who put me in chord lab one and i tested out oh. and I right into chord lab two you know it right, was like, right right you know like because you didn't improvise they didn't think you knew anything and it's like why can't right. you see what i know 
Did you just hear that great Stevie Wonder tune I just played with the coolest groove and all these cool inversions? You don't think I know what's happening in Chord Lab 1? Right. And then I had right. Larry Senebaldi and Bob Harrigan to do my first two proficiencies because I took them both at the same time. In those days, you could test out. Because remember, they would just take right. them anytime in your Berkeley career. Those two guys would say, that's a level six chord. That's a level two chord. That's a level one chord. That's a level seven chord. You are obviously confused. And they didn't pass me for those two proficiencies. What? You're and I kidding. went in and talked to Bill Levin. He said, oh, they're trying to hold you back because you don't know how our classes are structured and you, don't, you know too much. He said, that's ridiculous. And he, he threw it away and you know, gave me grades for the proficiencies. And oh, then good. after that, it was take these anytime in your Berkeley career. And they weren't finals in those days. None of us took them when we were supposed to. Now it's a final. You have to do it at the end of every semester. Oh, really? But ours built up, you remember? Like, I used to have to take three, four, and five together <laughs> yeah, with Larry I, I, Bayon I because I never took them, you know? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. But no, what we were talking about some people that go there and they don't really know what, you know, what what they're really, what they really want. Let's put it that way. Mm. I remember sitting in my dormitory and my, my there were two and two per room. I think mm. it was two, right? And the other guy, he would guitar, but he would just sit there and stare at the wall <laughs> in front of his desk. And I would be practicing. You're not supposed to practice in the room. Sorry, I always practice my dorm. in my room too. <laughs> I always practice, but yeah. I mean, I'd go into the bathroom and practice. But anyway, um, he would just sit and stare at the wall. And I'm talking about like really for hours on end. <laughs> and, and this is before pot was legal. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he, yeah, exactly. But I was like this, you know, waving. Are you there? Hello, anybody home? <laughs> and I and try. I tried to nudge him a little bit because he, he obviously shouldn't have been there. He was not a, a very promising player at all. I mean, he could barely even play the instrument. I mean, hold, he could barely hold the instrument. And I was surprised that he was even there. Mm -hmm. But my point being that he just stood, he just sat there and would literally just spend hours when he got back from his classes. And I would be there next to him practicing away and writing, you know, how we had to do. And I wrote, I made this sign. I put this sign in front, right in front of my, and it said, it said um, something like, I can't remember the exact words. It was like, you only get one chance in life or something like that, some philosophical you know, little blurb that I thought he might kind of glance over, you know, and see, hey, man, you're just wasting your time. Um, and you only get one chance to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't remember the exact words, but it was that kind of kicking the ass kind of message that I put on. I don't know you if he ever it. saw it or not. Oh. I probably not, probably not. But um, <laughs> So you never found you out know, what his I, issue was? I don't really know if he had like an issue per se. I just think that he was just not supposed to be there. He, I mean, he, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why he was there. And then I, mean, I, I don't oh, think he had any, any issue per se, but it just mm. was like, he was wasting his time. Just, yeah. do you remember the money. first semester? A lot of money. And do you remember the first semester? I remember we were worried. Well, I don't know if you were, but I remember me and some other guys were, somewhat worried about can we make it through the first semester because i heard that was 70 percent of the students oh you didn't think you were gonna 
I just remember being bored my whole first two semesters because it took a while for things to catch up. Like I didn't get to test out of everything. I was given a whole uh-huh. bunch of psychology credits and I was given a few other things, but nothing yeah. musical transferred. You had uh-huh. to test out or whatever. In some places, they didn't let you test out. You just had to go through it. Right. So I didn't really right. feel like I was learning anything new till third semester. Okay. Okay. Well, so you didn't have that worry of like, oh, 70% um, drop out. Oh my God, can I make it? So that was in my mind the first semester. Well, we left because um, I remember one of my grade school friends also went to Berkeley and we thought it was so hard to get in. Then we realized right. if, if you have the money, you can get in. The hardest part is graduating. Like, can you, can you make it through? Exactly. It's an easy school to get in, but a hard school to graduate from. And so, okay. um, yeah, I used to think I'll just take it, uh, you know, semester at a time, a few days at a time, you just one day at a time, whatever. But I didn't think I wouldn't. It's just funny that you don't need a degree to perform. So I don't know why I was a performance major. <laughs> just like, but, this is exact issue right now I'm going through. Please, please, I'll tell you about it. So, so, what, so you, you got it, though. You, 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 I did you it and graduated. I got it and I was happy about it. Still, the guitar department was still my favorite department because I loved guitar so much. Um, I loved harmony, though, too, you know, so... But yeah, you don't need you a degree not. from really any of this stuff. Absolutely. And Absolutely. when the school started in 1945, they didn't even think it could be taught. They were like, no, this is a, an apprenticeship thing. You need to be one-on-one with somebody and teach them the ropes. But that's how yep. everybody yep. thought things should be taught. Then, of course, now there's right. internet teaching and YouTube right. teaching right. and who knows what. I mean, things right. are always going to change like that. But no matter what the technology is or the, the tools to teach with or to whatever about... I feel like the thing is a hunger and a willingness to learn and a willingness to share. That is all that is needed. You know, it doesn't matter how you do it, what era you did it in. It's like you could learn it one-on-one. You can learn it from a book. You can learn it from anybody who's willing to share it with you. If you're open enough to hear it and to go practice and do what you got to do with the information they give you. Right. So it's got nothing to do with, Oh no. It's AI or it's this or it's that. It's like, I don't want to be one of those people that like fears technology. I love technology, you know? Right, 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 right. Exactly. And I think things were definitely better before, but things were never better enough that it's like, it's so much worse now. It's like people I know who have knowledge of history say, are you kidding? It was always the best of times and the worst of times, you know? But maybe well, sure. the thing that's changed is the the condition of the... The weather and, and all that, that's a real new change and whatever and new pandemics, right. but we've had them before and I don't right, know. It's right, like right, right. It's it's right. a big mishmash of stuff that I don't know enough about. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean you 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 got I think you got plenty on your plate. Don't worry about how the world is going around. No, you're I know uh, usually you're 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 making it going around in your in your realm. That's in my own orbit, yeah. In yep. your own orbit, that's the main thing. That's the best thing. Because some people aren't. Some yeah. people are following other orbits. And, I know, I don't like know, that. Well, it's, sometimes me. that's the only thing. that sounds like you're doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That note, Lauren, I'm proud of you. And uh, it's you are well-deserved of all the success that you've had. And that... You, all the success you're going to have 
and you're going to be more even more jealous people are going to be even more jealous of you and, um, <laughs> yep and because uh, you never know and that's okay that's okay that's a good thing you show them how it's done because you're showing them how it's done <laughs> slog a slog sometimes with the students and whatever barriers that come up along the way but but it's the the, the fact that you know you're making music and that's it's such a beautiful thing that some don't things quit. when you're studying it don't quit but when you're studying it and you're in the middle of all the academic stuff and all the semantics of that of being in the in berkeley environment or any environment when, when you have that kind of somewhat competitive um uh, and high aspiration um mm. um you know goal of of being in such an environment you know um people forget how beautiful music really is they're, yeah. they're so busy with with the with the nuts and bolts of studying and and um trying to make something of whatever they are trying to make you know <laughs> I, oh god i can't write a song i can't write a song it's like oh my god this guy's on his first song you know it's like how can i what can i show him what can i tell him well then you bring him along you bring <laughs> them along yeah but we have then to move forward move forward but don't forget the beauty of music and i don't mean yeah. that to sound really real squishy squashy in it but it's so true I mean, squishy squashy yeah <laughs> that's a japanese no, term I, mean, <laughs> I guess so yeah but, but, just you're not don't forget and you don't and i don't the beauty of music you just yeah. turn on something that moves you and yeah. um the benefit that's what it's all the, about yeah i agree the best part of it is that we get to do this we get to understand it exactly. we get to have enjoy it and it's like the greatest thing going exactly and i'm super proud of you and i'm so glad to see you after 40 years <laughs> same here same here lauren i'm glad you i'm sorry i couldn't do this like a few months ago that was crazy time or a few no weeks, problem a month and a half ago but now we're it's yeah. getting, going to be getting crazy like yeah. again but this is a good good window but so. i look forward to the the links you'll send to anything you want to share okay. to your music to your soundtracks to your instruments yeah and okay. uh yeah, congratulations, and I hope to see you on the cover of Berkeley today at some point. Oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, please forgive me. I'm slow on the self promo. I'm very slow. I w but I will sense. I will sense them for you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I I'll really put you do. in contact with her and. Uh, okay. Thanks. Thanks. See what happens. Just, I'm so I'm so damn proud. So just keep forging away and um, and enjoying. I yeah. Mean, you know, if there's you know there you gotta must... you gotta work at enjoying you have to look at the right it. things and focus on what's yeah. there to enjoy yeah absolutely yeah. i think i think back the to the well too. back to the well back to the well i mean because it's an endless endless well it really is but um, absolutely students students need to enjoy as well you know because they're working hard not everyone but those that are working hard and sometimes over here at least you find a lot of students don't enjoy it oh, i gotta practice those scales just from the third degree to the third degree oh god well listen enjoy it if you can enjoy <laughs> it we liked playing you know we, we liked how that it felt it. to hold the guitar and to exactly. put it down exactly and exactly. i think students also most i think they're of the same way they might forget it though mm. how much joy that they can really get there because they're busy with the academics um, and what I've always mentioned too is that it feels like everything has got a threshold to it. Everything feels hard until you go through that little membrane 
And when you get to the other side, all of a sudden you start seeing a possible, hey, this could be okay. And then momentum sure. happens and then you can't stop. Then you're addicted to it and you can't sure. stop playing those scales or you can't stop playing those arpeggios, you know? So it's like, you just have to begin. And the hardest part is beginning sometimes finding exactly. that new door, you know? Exactly. And that translates right down to the very moment you play something for the first time. It's only difficult because it is the first time. I tell right. my students, play happy birthday. Yeah. And they mess up. Well, happy birthday. It's not a difficult song. It's only difficult because it's the first time you're playing it. Mm. You know, even if you got a good ear, you might you might you might mess up a, a note or something. You didn't play it perfect. But it's only because and the more you become familiar with something, the more you practice, then the difficulty goes down. But it could be happy birthday. It could be Mary had a little lamb. If you've mm -hmm. never played it before, it's going to be difficult. And it's not a difficult piece. But then again, it is if it's the first time <laughs> for anything. Good point. For yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. So I, I tell my students that no big deal. Yeah. And, and I love making the synapse, the synapse connection, right? You know, the repetition makes the groove in your brain. And then you go, aha, and you can do it. But we don't know how many times it's going to take for your brain to have to release that chemical to make that connection. You just have to keep right. doing it until it does. Right. And then right. you'll never forget it. Jeez, I wish there was more teachers like you there. You know. <laughs> and more teachers because, like you. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't need we don't need any more of me. That's we got too many of me. <laughs> One is too many. You, <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it there. No, but seriously, um, it's some things that you're aware of. Um, I think are really important, you know, um, as any educator should be aware of some other things other than just the nuts and bolts of what they teach. There are other things that, yeah. um, students, yeah. And, and, and you're, you're aware of that and that's really good. So that's Thank why you. you're there. That's why you're there. Hey. That's what they said. Even when I was saying, but I'm an artist, they'd say, but we need people like you to teach and I'd be like, oh, right. <laughs> All right. Well, straight ahead, uh, Lauren, straight ahead. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. We love you too. And you know, it's like 3.45 in the morning. Oh my God, go to bed. <laughs> no, it's like, where's the party? Oh my God. It's rock. It's rock you don't even roll, look tired. <laughs> I was talking to you, so I'm not really tired. I'm just, no, it's it's very cool. And that's what I'm, I'm just, I mean to say that because it, it's worth it. It was great talking with you about all these important things. I mean, <laughs> where else are you going to hear about skunks and, and, and. <laughs> Is that staying enjoy? in? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's coming out. Okay, so that's coming out of the end too. <laughs> Can't refer Thanks, back to Lauren. something that didn't happen. <laughs> I think we have to redo the ending. No, we're good. It got a little longer okay. than you thought. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Lauren. Take care, Tim. It's great to Let's see you. Let's do this again someday again. I mean, anytime yeah. you want to run something, buy me and uh, same here. Uh, we'll zoom it up. Cool. Zoom it up. I like that. <laughs> zoom it up. That's another album name. I'll send you some some links and something. Well, I want you to see Norwegian Wood. That's, I would love to see all of them. I, 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 yeah, I think you'll like that. And Thanks. the instruments. It'd be fun to show your instruments around the guitar department. Okay, great. Thanks, Take Lauren. Care. And I'll say hi love to you. Him. Love you too. Okay. Bye. Good night. Bye bye. Good night. <laughs> How do we do this?
We hit okay. end. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. That was fun. It was great and lovely to catch up with you and see you again. And really interesting to compare notes. I mean, it's just perfect, right? If you think about all the sad things, they make you sad. If you think about the happy things, they make you happy. So within one sentence, depending upon what you tell yourself, you can go down the tubes or climb back up the emotional scale. Plus, anything anybody has to say is more reflection on them. It's tricky to remember, but important. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you know any guitar players that want to get better at their groove and time, make sure they sign up at my mailing list, laurenpassarelli.com, because those guitar classes are coming soon. You don't want to miss them. Go to your studio and make stuff. Oh